0: ordering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Order delicious-looking meals like the garlic herb butter steak and lobster tails or the Spanish gnocchi with heirloom tomatoes. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. My name is Nick Danizio, and sitting across from me, kinda, is my man, Martin Moreno. How we doing? Sitting in the next room. In the next room. In isolation. Because we are not alone today. Today we have Chris from the Oblivion Bar Podcast. What's up, man? Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. Actually, Chris, you are our first official guest on our show. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're at, today we're talking uh, about A24. Uh, and Chris, like, refresh my memory, I don't remember what initiated this. Like, did we post something about Green Knight and then you hit us up and was like, hey, like, I would love to talk A24 with you guys? Like, I don't remember what started this.
1: Oh my gosh. So, this this, this may be embarrassing for me and the show, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and admit it here live on your guys' show that I'm, I'm a huge fan of your guys' podcast. I'm not going to lie. I love the production value, I love your back and forth. Topics that you guys cover, your, we generally have a very similar, you know, idea of what we think of films that you guys cover. So obviously, that's again, embarrassing. <laughs>
2: God, Nick, no. do we suck that much?
0: <laughs> that's not wow. embarrassing at all.
1: No, no. The, the embarrassing part was how I dove in headfirst into your guys's DMs and was like, "Hey, I want to collaborate. I want to create a show with you guys." No, that's that's, that's awesome, man. I love it. <laughs> so I was like, "What? What would you guys want to collaborate on? What is a topic that needs to be covered by three, uh Slightly intelligent, but very attractive people. Uh, mm-hmm. what we need to combine forces Voltron style to cover. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we just kind of deducted that we love A24. And that's how, kind of how it came to be.
0: I remember we were deciding what we wanted to do. And, and we said A24. And then it was the whole idea of uh, we couldn't get on each other's shows. Or, or it was one of those things where like I think we were busy at the time because we were shooting a film. Mm-hmm. And then it was... No big deal. It was no no big deal. deal. Humble brag there. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, no no big deal. And (laughs) then we decide we were going to do a twenty four. And then I think I was like, well, let's do a twenty four one week, and then the week after we'll do the Green Knight since it was coming out at the time, and we're really pumped for it. So yeah, you get two uh, weeks of
1: Oblivion Bar effing Nerds collabs. uh,
2: Hell yeah! Yeah. Well, that's news to me. I had no idea we were doing (laughs) it again next week. So, as I've said many times before, I'm like out of the loop. I just show up. (laughs) get paid and I go home. I mean, I tell Martin this stuff and sometimes he remembers, sometimes he does Yeah. He'll send me emails with breakdowns and I'm like, he'll "Did you see my email?" i like, "No, bro."
1: Listen, I know Aaron's going to listen to this episode. Same for him. Okay? He's yeah, the same yeah. way. I post all the happenings and then he somehow is still surprised
2: at the end of the week. I don't know how. That's right, right. you know, that's how it goes. yeah i'm terrible with uh with that kind of stuff even like i'm like the worst texter in the planet Mm -hmm. like people text me all the time i just don't respond i forget (laughs) about it like two (laughs) seconds later and i'm like shit got too much on your mind man
0: pretty Pretty much yeah Yeah. uh but before we actually get into talking about a24 uh the thing i want to ask you chris is you did this absolutely epic marathon of Mm -hmm. every single a24 film which is insane But it was at the height of COVID. So you obviously had a lot of time on your hands. Uh, what was, what was that like? What made you want to tackle that? Uh, how many, you know, in terms of the process of it, like how many films did you watch a week, like, like kind of delve into that.
1: Okay. So basically the way this all started was I have been a huge fan of a 24 since I want to say around the time of ex machina when that had hit theaters. So I continued to watch new releases from them going forward. I quickly realized that there's a long back catalog of films from them that I had not seen yet. So again, during COVID, whenever we were all kind of stuck at home, I think it was around the beginning of April that I decided that I was okay. going to put together a list and watch every single A24 film up to that point, which I think up to that point, it was maybe St. Maud or First Cal. One of those two was the most recent release. So starting with a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan too, which... Quick spoilers for uh, the very end of when I rank everything. That is the first and my least favorite of the <laughs> A24 filmography. <laughs> uh, I decided to watch one to four A24 films a day, and That's insane. I, wow, I know. And I I even say it on Twitter. I'm like, I'm about to embark on a journey, a journey of sadness, horror, quality, disturbing imagery, and more sadness. <laughs> disturbing imagery is like at the top.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah
1: like a fever dream type of imagery.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right. Well, and then I think I'll also ask you guys too, uh, what, what, what is it about A24 that you guys love so much? And I know like for me personally, it's just the fact of, like, I don't know if it's that there, I don't want to say there's a lack of originality in Hollywood today, because I think if you look hard enough, you can find it. But they're a studio that's kind of at the forefront of constantly putting out original films. So you, whatever they do put out, it's always at the top of my list because I know it's not going to be like anything I've seen
2: before. Right. It's it's I think it's safe to say that it's mostly an independent studio. A lot of these movies are lower budget films. And something that we talk about a lot is that when you have these sort of low budget films, you're really sort of relying on this story to drive the movie and essentially sell the movie. So I think studios like A twenty four, um, also Neon, uh Braun more more recently too. These are in a way kind of like art house studios. They really allow these directors to, these these directors, writers, creators to really express their vision and really um, let them go all out and explore and you know give us their creative visions and um, and yeah, I'm with you. Mostly they hit, but it's really at its core, it's these sort of like story driven movies with the directors like stamp on it. Whether it's you know Gaspar Noah, Alex Garland, like we were saying. Um, and that really is, especially for someone like me who really loves independent films for that reason alone, because they are kind of relying on their story and they're very story driven. Um, it makes it, it is appealing to me too. Like whenever I see that 824 tag, I'm like, okay, my ears right away kind of perk up for those reasons alone. Yeah, I I have to agree there. I I
1: think outside of maybe the Marvel studios intro that 824 tag at the beginning is really what gets me hyped for a film. And right, kind and of, it's
2: very versatile too. Right. The exactly. way they kind of redesign it for all their movies. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. yeah. Very, again, Marvel Studios-esque if you want to kind of compare it yeah. that way. But uh, I wanted to kind of parallel what Nick was saying as well that the individuality that the directors are allowed to have, I mean, you're essentially allowed to do whatever you want because, again, again mm-hmm. like Martin had said as well, it, the budgets are generally pretty low and you can kind of just put your product out there the way that you intended it to look and the way that you wanted it to feel. And I think that offers a lot of difference, you know, in, in each of their films. You never know what you're going to get, whether it's, you know, Last Black Man in San Francisco, you've got Eighth Grade, you know, Honey. What was, uh, what's the one? Uh, Honey? Is that the one that has the girl who kind of backpacks with Shia LaBeouf? Oh, it's uh, it's American Honey. American Honey. Yes, that's right. Yeah Ladybird, mid-90s, First Reformed. I mean, these are all so different, but they also have a very similar, if, if I can say this without sounding too um, presumptuous, uh, they have that 824 chef's kiss quality that you just come to expect from that studio.
2: Yeah. It's almost like in a way, a kind of grounded and authentic kind of mm-hmm. feel to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with all that and kind of to go transition. Is there anything else you want to say before we start discussing some of these movies?
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing, the last thing that I'll say is that, uh, you know, kind of going off what you said, Martin, in terms of, uh, Kind of like a grounded sense to it too. Like well, all the movies feel real, even when they're doing uh, horror or comedy, or even with Green Knight, which is more like a fantastical kind of film. It still feels real, like it could actually happen. Which is, I think, mm-hmm. the one thing that I really love about their movies.
2: Yeah, and to kind of again piggyback off of off of what Chris was saying, how and kind of what I was saying too of these sort of the low budget and gives the creative. It's almost like um a low risk but like big reward mm-hmm. because you know unlike. For example, Netflix. Netflix, they allow, they bring in these directors and they allow them to do their things, but they throw so much money at them. You know, they're like, here, take all this money, make whatever you want, whether it's Scorsese, Snyder, whatever. And for and even though these are directors that are more well-known, movies like A24 for me are just the better quality films for those reasons alone. Because it's like, all right, they're going to fish out these very, like, creative... Um, these very like expressive creative people and they're going to invest x amount into them and then really kind of reap the benefits something another studio that does this is also blumhouse i know they've stepped up their their budget recently in recent years they have but in the beginning it was all five million no more and it was like really these great sort of small budget horror films and yeah it's it's i love to see that in in these studios and while it's great to have all the money in the world, all the resources in the world, when you are really confined and limited, it's really forces you to like really express yourself and really do the best you absolutely can. Well it's it's yeah.
0: almost too much of a good thing with Netflix. Like they like they give you too much. And I feel like even with directors like Scorsese and, and a lot of other directors that have gone over there, they can't help themselves with their this abundant of riches that they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel if you have like all these toys why we'll not play with them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and it's almost like they go way too overboard with the, with their films. Mm-hmm. With A24, it's like you said, like it's more constrained. You have to get more creative because you don't have all these resources and it ends
2: up being a better product. Right. Guillermo says that all the time. Guillermo says that like, you need limits like you can't and it's really and in a way, as much as I love that, man, it's kind of a little bit ironic because he loves those big budgets and he likes doing he those big budget movies. But when you look at other films like Shape of Water, for example, that won him his Oscar. Um, actually, another shout out to Fox Searchlight. I think they're another studio that also kind of um, that's kind of in tune to what we're talking about with A24. But uh, but yeah, he said how like you know you need those limitations, you need those constraints because that really, as a creator, really forces you to to do the the best job possible, and I totally agree. Absolutely. Are,
1: are we about to see the first big budget A twenty four film with the Green Knight? Well, do we know what the Green Knight's budget is? I just looked it up and I couldn't find it, but I mean, okay. based on the trailers alone, this has to be at least a hundred million dollar film, right?
0: It it looks it looks expensive. It could be because the film hasn't come out yet that they haven't reported what the budget is. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in terms of production value, it might be a little I don't I don't want to say a hundred million. I say it looks kind of in the anywhere between sixty to eighty mil range sure. for me. I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It does look very good. I also wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm.
0: if it's if it's not that expensive either.
2: Yeah. Agreed. You know, I mean you think of movies like uh like X Machina, that was one like in the twenty five million range, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, I was even going to say something like wrong.
1: Deadpool was like fifty million, and look at that movie. That movie looks great for only being fifty yeah. million. Well,
2: another thing about Deadpool though is that Tim Miller imbe- like the he owns Blur Studios, and they did a oh, lot of the yeah. CG for free. Good oh, point. that is so true. Yeah, yep. that was yeah. He <laughs> gave him a discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Deadpool <laughs> two got bigger, yep. more insane. And yes, like, yes, we you know, know how that one goes. Classic sequel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> issues. You always got to go bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, let's let's
0: move on to discussing some of our uh, favorite films, memorable films, even films that we didn't like, but we had a certain experience about it. Could be anything. Uh, and if you guys don't mind, I kind of want to kick this off with Ex Machina. Yes. Yeah. Because Good when one. I first when I first saw it, Chris, I was... give me that horn. Give me that yeah. horn. That yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, where's the DJ horn at? We <laughs> gotta do it. <laughs>
2: there it is. Yeah.
0: there yeah. it is. But the first time I saw it, I was so blown away by it. One because I look at that movie. <laughs> As the blueprint for how to do a slow burn thriller the right way, to the performances across the board from Oscar Isaac, uh, Alicia Vikander, Domin Hall Gleason,
2: and Martin, who's our girl from Devs? It is Sonoya Mizuno. Yes. And by the way, fuck Devs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Well, wait, Chris. We say bar, that every Fox time, wait, 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 Chris. Have, say you, that have you seen Devs? I have not seen Devs. No, I have not. Okay, oh. Devs is a great show with a horrible ending.
2: Yeah. Okay. all right. We're talking about like how many episodes was it? Like six, six. Seven, I eight. think it was either six or seven. Yeah. Well, What's if it, it was seven, it's on uh Fox. Okay. No, okay. Uh, FX. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it the same shit? Yeah, it's the same shit. Fox nah, W L. Yeah. you are talking about like. If it is seven, I can't remember. But you're talking about like six incredible episodes and then one shit yeah. <laughs> of an ending. You, hate, just, to see like, uh, you, you hate, hate to see, see it. it. you hate to see it. You hate to see it. to
0: it see really it. Did. But for uh, for Alex Garland, uh, debut directing for him knocks it out of the park. Oh gosh! Mm-hmm. And the wrote ending- some wrote some movies before. Wrote some novels. Before oh, yeah, man, yeah. Wrote yeah. some movies. Very talented writer. But just in production design, that twist ending do, like do we blew think me that- away.
1: Ex Machina cashed Alex Garland's check going forward with like Annihilation. I mean, I guess 28 Days Later came out
0: before that. So that doesn't
1: mm-hmm. make 28
0: sense. 28 Days Later, and then he had, I think Dread was before Ex Machina, right? Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't really get
0: credit for Dread,
2: though. He got credit you know, for writing it,
0: but yeah. he didn't get credit for directing it. But then right. obviously reports came out that he basically directed that movie too. And mm-hmm. Dread's phenomenal. Loved oh yeah,
1: it. yep. Can I say really quickly, just off the top here with Ex Machina, I actually, once I watched all these A24 films from our from my watch through during COVID. I created you know the tier maker website that you have there. I basically took all 101 films that was in A24 at that point. And I don't want to, I want to bury the lead a little bit and not tell you what the other movies are in the S tier, but Ex Machina is one of the five movies that's in that S tier of A24 films.
2: Yes. So is that like another way of saying a top tier? <laughs> I don't top, tier. Yeah, yeah, top tier, yeah, S tier tier. Yeah, Ex Machina was one of my, it was in my top 10 of the past decade. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I really, I really, really love that film. Like we said, I think the production design in terms of, you know, like the house that they use, I'm a big sucker for like, trees and sci fi. I love (laughs) like, because when you think of sci fi, I think everyone thinks of like, futuristic shit or shiny, clean space, space, shiny, clean white cities, all this stuff. But this was like, this was more, um, for starters, kind of we were talking about, you have three people, well two people two robots four characters <laughs> let's say four characters trapped in a house in the middle of nowhere yep what are you going to do like you know give me something and then Alex Garland creates this incredible film like we said whenever you have an isolated incident like that when you're trapped in this house it you just you're naturally going to create tense moments you're naturally going to create this sort of conflict between these characters because you know only like Nick and I are roommates. Mm-hmm. We haven't hit that point yet. I'm sure at some point we're going to want to kill each other. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but but yeah, it was just such an incredible film. So well done. And then I just love the final. I might be getting ahead of myself, but I just love the final moment of when you just have Ava when she gets out of the house and she's just interacting with all the plants and all the trees. And like you have this situation where you have the most primitive thing on the planet you know this nature green whatever interactive interacting with like the most advanced thing which is this ai robot poetic. you know po- exactly it's mm-hmm. just like for me and again i could be looking way too much into it but when i saw that i was just like fucking floored and i'm like this movie's incredible Can I tell you my favorite part
1: of the movie? It's a lot less beautiful than that. That idea is when. Is it the dance scene? It's it's the dance dance scene. scene. Oscar (laughs) Oscar I'm about to go tear up this fucking dance floor. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he can move. Yeah. Yeah, I just love everything about that. Like, it's such a demoralizing moment for Caleb because he's finally figuring out what's going on. He had his thoughts there for a bit, but he has, like, some concrete evidence at this point. And he's genuinely, Mm. like, very upset about what's happening to Ava. And it's all because of what nathan oscar isaac's was doing in this film but when he tries to confront him nathan is just like i'm about to tear up this fucking dance floor yeah
2: and he fucking tears it up
1: <laughs> and he does he, he like did not oscar he does isaac tear can it up. definitely
2: move yeah oscar <laughs> isaac is a speaking of top 10 he's one he's also in my kind of top 10 of just actors working today i love that man so much and he's mm-hmm. so versatile dude like yeah. we're talking about like an incredible low budget film he does like the indie market he does a big budget stuff like everything in between and he's just great in everything Absolutely mm-hmm. well, and that's mm-hmm. also why I love ex machina just for what happened after the fact
0: because then it kind of, that movie kind of launched the careers for Oscar Isaac for Alicia Vikander, especially for her. that was like the what really put her on the map and then since mm-hmm. then she's just been crushing it and then even Domin hall Gleason, who's was around before ex machina and then Star Wars franchise, but then even smaller stuff, and obviously he's got a famous dad, so mm-hmm. he's carved out his spot as well, and it's just, yeah. I, I well, he did Harry before
2: Potter that. before that, so he was a oh, little... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, one of the Weezies. I think mean, mm-hmm. he was Bill. Yeah. 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 Yep. But he didn't really like, he wasn't really in, he was only like in the last two or three movies, so... Mm-hmm. Oscar but Isaacs yeah. is a repeat A24
1: contributor, too. He, he starred in The Most Violent Year. He also mm-hmm. was in mm-hmm. Mojave, which I wanted to love, but unfortunately did not uh, and I, I, think heard, I heard
0: a lot of people say that too Yeah, it's,
1: it's in near the bottom of again of the 101 yeah. films i have it near like in the 80s but uh, ex machina on the other hand like i said one of the best i have it at number four so yeah,
2: it's oh, definitely yeah, one of those
1: ones that you it's it is a must watch in this filmography of a24 it is definitely one of the ones i always recommend because i have movies ahead of it in my in my ranking but it's i feel like it's one of the most digestible and it gives you a clear idea of what a24 is and who you know alex garland is and and all these actors like it, it's uh, again martin i think you got it on the head there it's got to be a top 10 film for sure
2: yeah and that's one of, and i think i'm also a little biased because like i said i'm a sucker for nature and alex garland does that so well when you think of annihilation how he incorporated the uh the shimmer and the swap and all those all like the dna's and everything's changing mm-hmm. um interacting and same thing with devs devs like really dives into just blending the sort of technology with the like with the natural earth resources. And right. even though it didn't really work out and I didn't really like the ending, it's still those kind of traits and those qualities that he incorporates into his projects like intrigue the shit out of me. So I'm always yep. whenever I hear Alex Garland's name attached to something, I'm gonna instantly be um be like uh looking forward to it. And not to mention that he gave us one of the best horror moments in the past decade with the bear scene in Annihilation. You want to talk about your balls the, bears, the bear scream. Yeah, like I was in that movie theater watching Annihilation and my balls were in my throat. I don't think I breathed that entire scene. And you almost choked really on your balls. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really like, it wasn't like a horror movie per se, but that moment was by far, in my opinion, one of like the top horror scenes in the past decade. Mm-hmm. It's agree. not a twenty four, but still, yeah, yeah great yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, a twenty four and the ending has grown on me. Yeah, and 8, and that movie, the ending, because I remember I was a little mixed on the ending to annihilation, but it's really grown mm-hmm. on me um, over the years. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree.
0: All right, I'll open the floor up to you guys. Uh, pick a movie that you want to discuss.
2: Martin, All can right.
0: I can I
1: can I volunteer you as tribute for our first? I want to hear one of your favorites outside of Ex Machina.
2: Well, I know we were going to talk about Florida Project. Um, yes. So I mean I can throw that in there. Uh other than that. All right. All right, here. I'll, i want to talk about one. Okay. Let's, okay. Talk, let's talk. Let's talk So about, you open the floor to us, but you're gonna pick it. Okay. I'm still yeah. I'm still I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take <laughs> this yeah, one
0: too. Fine. Uh let's talk about waves.
1: Well, here's I was gonna say real quick before we go on. Okay. You could literally name any of these films that, that we have listed or that you love in this filmography, and we'll have plenty to say about it. That's the beauty about A24 as right. a whole. Like yeah, absolutely. if you pick one, Nick, easily we'll be like <laughs> Oh my gosh! I also love
0: that as well. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, but waves. yeah. So I do want to talk about waves. So waves. Me and Martin actually saw that at the same time. We went mm-hmm. to the movies to see it. We did a double feature. I think
2: we, we what we saw that and. I think Fort that's like the only movie we've ever seen in theaters. Yeah, just just um, just the one, just the yeah. one. As a matter of fact, quick plug: we went to movie theaters last night. We saw Pig, <laughs> which was incredible, phenomenal, if so good. People, you need to go see Pig. Um, Nick Soundbite from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in Now. Fuck you, you fucking pig! Oh, no. <laughs> and, and we also saw Snake Eyes, which was fucking trash. Yeah. Hate that movie. All right, but back to
0: it. Unfortunately. To but, yes, it. so we saw Waves in the theater and I remember not really knowing what to expect with that. Saw the trailer only once and going into it, was the, the first the first 45 minutes where it builds up to and where it leaves you it was like the biggest kick in the gut i think i've ever felt watching a movie in like the longest time yeah right and then the next half of it uh i know i liked it more than martin did at first but then when martin rewatches it, so the second half kind of grows i mean obviously it, it really it's it's slower it takes its time it kind of deals with the fallout of what happens in the first 45 minutes
2: but, yeah, you're essentially following two characters in that movie. You're following. Yes, it kind of the hands brother up the top. It does, a little place beyond, the it
0: does a little place beyond the pines where you're kind of with Ryan Gosling for the first part of right. it. And then you jump to uh, Bradley Cooper for the second part of it, you know? Yeah, and,
2: I, and, and his son, too. I was yes. going to ask you guys because
1: yeah. when I went to go see it, I went to go see it in theaters as well. Uh, when I first moved to St. Louis, I didn't know anyone here. I'd never been to the city. I, I didn't really enjoy my job. So the only place that I had with a little bit of reprieve was our church, the movie theater. So I would go to the movies 2 to 3 Mass times a week. Mass Succession.
2: That's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. God bless. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Waves was one of them. I got a, I actually got a free screening to go see it and I was one of four people in the theater. And my whole point in saying this is that that switch there from I'm trying to remember her name, Taylor Russell, from ta- well basically from Kelvin Harrison Jr to Taylor Russell halfway through the film. Mm-hmm. Total gut punch like you said. But also I don't think I've ever seen a switch in narrative like that where you basically lose your main character halfway through a film you see it in tv all the time but to see it in film is very rare and, and i it is like very it rare yeah so incredibly well trey edward schultz he did this and he also did another a24 film that i'm spacing right now it comes
2: at night and he did crecia
1: that's right yeah two of them yes uh yeah, which are both them, awesome so he's we'll a, talk about those i'm sure right right but,
2: and um i actually that's the reason i was looking forward to it is because i was a big trey edward schultz fan
1: mm-hmm. yeah you and, know, it was great I'm Nick-
2: Nick, you're probably not going to remember this, but I'm a freak and I remember so much shit. But when we went to see um, Batman vs Superman, the three hour extended cut at Angelica, mm-hmm. do you remember that? When we went to yes. uh, to Angelica movie theater, yes, right, I, I remember. We I, remember in, you
0: ber- I remember you. Well, I was to say, I remember you berating the poor guy who was outside the theater because, like, when we came out of that, there was literally a guy there and was like, "Oh, what would you think?" And Martin went off on him and was like,
2: WB needs "How to much stop time do you have?" Their
0: movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: But I remember because I had seen Creesha that night before. And I was I va- like – I vaguely remember you saying that. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, this movie like was tense. Like you want to talk about th- – you want to talk about Thanksgiving family tension, like like go watch Creesha or whatever. But I was like – I was really like taken by that movie and obviously um, it w- even though it was only five years ago – the internet was a much different time so it wasn't like i know people always give me oh, yeah. shit for saying that but i totally i still stick to that so i remember like uh kind of going online trying to figure out what people were saying no one was really talking about it because it was such a smaller film was kind of flying under the radar but i remember just like talking to nick about it and i, just, I remember thinking after that movie i was like bro look out for this guy trey edward schultz he did not make the biggest splash in the world but you know I know it comes at night is a little controversial. It's it's definitely divisive for sure. Yeah, I personally enjoy it and waves too. Um, Like I said, love, love, love the first half. Second half, I'm a little mixed on, but it's been it's grown on me over the past like maybe two years since we watched it. I even made a point in my a24 watch
1: through. Uh, I tweeted, I live tweeted this whole thing because that's the kind of person I am. And Mm April twenty fifth, twenty twenty. Currently watching Kresha. Uh, I've already seen it comes a night in waves, and after 40 minutes of this, I can honestly say that Trey Edward Schultz is one of the most unique voices in Hollywood. Fucking a,
2: hell yeah, hell yeah. fucking yeah, bro, and yep. that's exactly how I felt too. And I was just like, I just, I, I just felt like the second I finished watching the movie, I'm like, this dude's gonna have like a, everyone's gonna know that name. He obviously, like I just said, he didn't make the, he hasn't really made the biggest splash. He's still kind of flying under the radar and working with A24 and doing smaller movies, and good for him. But you know, I, I still—he's still young. I believe mm-hmm. he's like maybe like in his early 30s. So I still think it's a matter of time before, you know, he really becomes this this household name. I'm still sticking to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think mm-hmm. Lucas Hedges deserves a little bit of credit. Him and Sterling K. Brown both put in amazing performances in this movie, where yeah. uh, they basically switched roles. Where you had Sterling K. Brown as this, you know, obviously this very demanding father figure who expected too much, and which eventually. Led to his son kind of going over the edge. I I don't think you can fully put it on Sterling K. Brown's character, but I think Mm that the the over the surmounting pressure that he was feeling from his father, because he wanted him to get out of the situation that he grew up in, that can also, you know, we'll call it the Jesse Jackson effect, where if you push your kid towards greatness, sometimes there's an edge. And, you know, if you push him over the edge, then it's all for naught and you end up losing someone you love. And then, like I said, of course, Lucas Hedges as well, who is kind of an ascending star in Hollywood right now. This, the role that he has in that second part of the film kind of being the second fiddle to Taylor Russell's character it, you i personally i don't know how you guys felt i was totally on board with their with their relationship and their affection for each other
2: yeah i mean like i yeah, said I at was first there. at first i wasn't so much at first because i just cuz like we said it's just such a coin flip of like the first half is really tense. There's a lot of shit going on. Even
0: I would say, even even in the editing, the editing is very like kinetic. It's fast paced. Mm-hmm. Everything there's going a lot on, of which, movement, which I guess is to kind of just show, kind of mirror what Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s character is going through. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like just chaotic and everything that's going on in his life. And then when it gets to his sister, that's when everything slows down, kind of slows to a halt. And then she has the time to develop the relationship with Lucas Hedges and then the rest of it plays out but yeah it's 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 polar opposites and i think that was the point of it but i could see it being like such a divisive switch
2: Mm -hmm. right but um but like i said i I just remember i was so intrigued by it by the first half second half i got to a point where i just wanted the movie to be over because i just was not feeling i didn't really i didn't really care about the relationship i didn't care about his relationship with his dad i was like i was so much more intrigued by what was going on with Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s character, but like I said, I rewatched it the second time, and it I was like, okay, this is actually a lot better than I remember it. And I watched it. I think I've wa- I've rewatched it twice, and I think by the third go around, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm actually I actually really do like this movie as a whole. You know, these two sort of storytelling um, kind of uh, these two ways of storytelling, these two characters like arcs. So yeah, it definitely won me over um, after a couple of rewatches. You know, I think Waves is a great example of an A24
1: film. I think it's a great mascot for A24 films and how they evoke a certain effect on the moviegoer that you often don't... You can't get that from, I'll say, most Marvel movies. Endgame is kind of like the outlier on that one because I think we all kind of peed our pants there in the middle of
2: that one. But the normal oh, bro, film... I screamed. I got up <laughs> I, when, when, Cap gets, when Cap gets that hammer, and, and Nick can testify to this. I knew when it. When Cap gets that hammer, I fucking lost... My mind, I cannot believe it. Yeah. Right,
1: and 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 that's kind of a you know kind of a parallel for again most film. While we love going to the movies and we love seeing these films in their correct you know environment, the movie theater. I think films like Waves, Midsummer, I would say Moonlight, Hereditary. Um, I'm trying to think of another one here. First, reform. you know what's
2: so interesting? First, 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 reform is incredible. But <laughs> yeah. something, it's it's so. And this is something that I've been meaning to do and I just haven't gotten around to it. But I did not like Moonlight. Like I remember I mm. saw it and I just – First hot I was take the impressed. show. Yeah, I was not impressed by it. I didn't understand what the hype was all about. Um, and I just – I couldn't really uh, – actually, quick plug. What's his name? Ashton Sanders, the guy who plays a teenage version. Uh, um, I, th- I want to say yes. Yeah, Ashton Sanders, yeah. Yeah. So, uh you heard it here first he's going to be the next Reed Richards. Heard it here first. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hot take throwing Hot shit take. out there. But yeah, I was not a fan of Moonlight. I thought the incre- I thought the performances were um by Naomi Harris and Hershala Ali were were great. Um even by all the actors who portrayed um I can't remember her the character's name, but but yeah, I just I wasn't a fan of it, but Obviously, listening to a lot of movie podcasts, listening to a lot of people and just listening to their their love for this film has made me want to rewatch it because I've never rewatched it since I saw it in mm-hmm. theaters. And like I want to eventually watch it again and do something, whether it's a discussion. I mean, if you want to do it, Chris, like, that yeah, would be cool. But that'd be great. This a movie. Yeah. is This a movie that just as of now, I can only go off of my first experience with it. And it, I just didn't. I thought it was a little um, overrated, to be honest with you, but that could change once I once we visit
1: it. I'm gonna keep referring back to this if you guys don't mind here. I'm gonna keep referring back to my rankings here. To quickly go back to waves, I have it at number ten and it's also in the eight here. Nice. And then Martin, I don't know you're not ag- you're not gonna agree with this, but I have Moonlight right above X Machina at number three. Yeah, obviously. Well, I'm also going to
2: disagree. We're also going to disagree on the lighthouse coming up. Oh, I'm sure we're going to get okay. into that. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. in uh, the lead. We like it. We like it. <laughs> yeah. But that's the beauty of film. It's all subjective. But that's yeah, right. the thing about the thing about Moonlight is just like, <clears throat> for some reason, in this, in this past year alone, like I said, just kind of listening to a lot of because we've only been doing the podcast for a little over a year. And just kind of listening to a lot of other movie podcasts, give their rankings, talk about films that they love. Moonlight is always there, and like a lot of these people that we've that I've listened to have really won me over on giving giving it another shot. And mm-hmm. I've just like, I, I can't wait to like rewatch it and kind of look at it again from like a different sort of perspective, like five years later. So I'm excited to do that. Well, and because you really love Beale Street as well. Beale Street Bear, is incredible. follow-up, yeah. Right. Yeah. I love Beale Street. I really... Was that... I don't think that was 824, though. That wasn't 824. Mm-hmm. No, now. yeah. Was that Fox Search... Was that Focus or Fox Searchlight? Uh, I don't know who distributed that one, but...
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I think well, regardless.
1: Uh, I, well, I want to say quickly on Moonlight, if, I, I don't think we had to spend a ton of time with this because I think, like Martin had said, you either absolutely love it and you study it in your film class or you didn't really... You didn't enjoy it the same way for whatever reason. I think the reason why I loved it so much outside, again, like the acting and the direction was the, there's an idea. And I, and I think this is the theme and you guys can agree or disagree with this. It's the idea of toxic masculinity and basically uh, what it's like to be an African-American man living in a, you know, a suburb, a ghetto of Miami and having to essentially put on a certain front and having to live, you know, present yourself in a certain way and having these feelings of you know being attracted to the you know the same sex and not really knowing how to approach that that already in itself all those things individually are very very tough having to do mm-hmm. all of those things at the same exact time has got to be incredibly just terrible it's, it's got to be the worst thing in the world mm-hmm. and i think that's why i love that film so much is because you're seeing this person who by all accounts wants to be a good person and wants to uh, basically admit who he really is but doesn't know how and i think that's relatable in right. that way
2: you know well, well and that's i think that's the beauty of his relate of the relationship between Mah- maher Ali and the main character because dirt bikes <laughs> um it's like creed out here you know you got yeah. the people in their fucking dirt bikes but <laughs> yeah um that's like the beauty of their relationship because it's such a stark contrast like you said you have literally a character who is the definition of fragile and then you have another character who is, like, in all terms, a fucking hard ass, you know. Mm-hmm. So to see these two characters and see how – what they bring out of each other is, like, that is, you know, one of the mo- more beautiful things about the movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and then also, too, Chris, for all those reasons that you listed, how you were saying how Wave is gone kind of like to the poster child for A24, Moonlight could be in the same – you know, you could, you could mm-hmm. make the same case for that because it deals with such a strong subject matter that, that most audiences are not ready –
2: to Mm -hmm. confront
0: and deal with and handle, you know? So that's why I think Moonlight definitely resonates with a lot of people. Right.
2: And that was, what, 2016? And in the past, now everything is... gay like everyone that's like literally everything is now like literally every single netflix project has you know it's it's like i'm not i don't want to say that moonlight was the one that started because it wasn't by all means but it's like what you were talking about chris of this character and what he's dealing with in regards to who he is and his surroundings um like now that is being more um like more movies and more shows and more medium medias are now kind of like portraying that. So mm-hmm. it is good to kind of keep, um, to get more more of those types of stories because, you know, um, just for me personally, like when I see stories of like, you know, like, whether it's like Latino people or like Asian people, I say I'm a fake Asian all the time. Yeah. Cause, Cause I, even though I'm Chinese, I don't cl- like, you know, you got uh, some in you. I do, yeah. but I, I don't f- like, I don't feel like I'm worthy to like, to say it. So, but like, we're going to talk about, opinion. yeah, but yeah. we're going to talk about like the farewell. I'm sure yeah. but seeing these, like these movies with, you know, more diversity is what I'm getting at. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it does, it means something. It, it really does. And it, it does kind of, um, it is great to see more kind of like Latinos and Asian people on the big screen. And in these like in these more sort of well-known projects.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I want to quickly talk about one that I feel like does not get enough love and one that I feel like more people should see, especially if you're into a 24. Uh, and I think if you've, if you're someone like me, a completionist who's watched all these, this is one that kind of cropped up on you and that's climax. Climax is one of those Oof. movies that, is um as i so eloquently put generally when i describe this movie it's a mind effort (laughs) it is
0: man and and i mean um at least from the trailer because i haven't seen the movie but i've only
2: seen it once watching that trailer was I, i saw and i was like what is what is this movie about yeah well, the thing is, I'm a big I'm a big Dario Argento fan, so I love Suspiria, and I know um, Gaspar Noe was talking Gaspar Noe because um, I'm I'm a big like interview slut. I love watching like interviews with like directors and and them talking about their movies. And Gaspar Noah, before I watched the film, he was talking about you know how he was paying tribute to Dario Argento, some of those '80s horror t- movies. Um, he brought up Possession uh, from like I believe it was 1981, which is a horror movie that has a lot of like kind of like uh like intense sort of like movements and stuff and he wanted to like incorporate some of those movements in the dance sequences and whatever Mm -hmm. but right off the bat again i've only seen it once but right off the bat with the opening sequence of the girl i believe her name was lou when she's like you know in the snow and she's screaming and we get Mm -hmm. this like insane kind of like this dreading sound and the sort of, you know, and all this font kind of comes in right off the bat. I'm like, okay, that's Dario Argento. Yeah. Like that's straight up, like Suspiria so different. vibes. Yep. It, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm in. And then we get into this great opening sequence of these interviews. And like, I mean, I don't want to go beat by beat, but yeah, like from, from the beginning you're engaged also because, I mean, Nick, I think you would appreciate this because there's the movies pro- is probably com- com- uh, what's the word, Comprom- comprised yeah. of maybe a handful of long takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's maybe like uh, – A lot of continuous shots. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong because like I said, I don't know when was the last time you saw it, Chris, but from from my memory, it was just like a handful of long shots, long takes that are just kind of stitched together. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, I was like – I was hooked and I was yep. engaged and I was intrigued. Mm-hmm. And you're just on the fucking – roller coaster of emotions yeah. and they're just some like we were saying there are moments that are just straight up disturbing uh with everything that has to do with like the the pregnant girl mm-hmm. and there are just moments where i'm just like it, it's like ecstasy you really are like fucking tripping on lsd just watching but like in a good way you know like i'm a big f- i love the dance numbers i thought all the dance mm-hmm. numbers were, were great That opening dance i thought scene the opening dance scene is incredible the soundtrack is incredible yep um i remember it was a lot of there was like there was mars there was neon there was uh daft, daft punk. punk yeah yes, like, so there like, uh, yeah, there there was of, <laughs> yeah it was like yeah there was a lot of scratching yeah there's a lot of uh a lot of great thomas bangalter um pieces of music in there justice was but yeah i think what's justice in there i can't remember i, I love i, can't I fucking exactly. love justice justice yeah. is one of my favorite duos out but yeah it's just it's it's non-stop it's continuous visually it's amazing and it just has that gasper Noah flair of like uncomfortable scenes yeah but I mean that's all I'll say that out there and I'll obviously I'll let you talk about
1: it yeah but well Nick if you don't mind and I think that was very well put by Martin if if I can (laughs) just give you a synopsis and again like we talked about before the show here we could honestly tell you exactly what it's about and it does not matter you can go into this movie Knowing beat for beat what's going to happen because you are, and here's how I kind of equate Climax and why I love it so much is that Gasper does a great job of putting you in that dance studio throughout that evening. And you're experiencing and Mm -hmm. you're leveling with them. You can see the gradual decline of their sobriety throughout the night and people who are otherwise really normal, uh, you know, forward thinking people
2: slowly start to lose their mind and you are with them the whole time and And become self-aware. of what's going on and that self-awareness also creates more like because then it creates more paranoia because who did this to me and it's like Mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out who the fuck you know spiked the sangria yes and that's Uh, another yeah another kind of side note too because i remember during an interview Gaspar noah says that that inspiration came from when he was in high school because whenever he would go to high school parties he would always kind of use sangria to get his friends drunk. That was like their (laughs) go-to drink to get hammered. And that's where that sort of inspiration came from. He wouldn't spike it, but that was their go-to drink to get hammered. You know, like mine was like in fucking 18 was probably like Keystone Light. You know, being here from fucking New Jersey and shit, Martin, um, But if yeah,
1: we ever if we ever have a chance to go hang out at, to go get out onto the town in New York and you guys spike my sangria, we are not doing any more of these episodes together.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, like I was saying, like you know, I'm just a fucking clown from the New York area. Where Gasper now is more refined. He knows yeah. he's French, yeah. yep. so he's gonna spike the sangria or use that as his <laughs> as his drink to get hammered. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. You can go please continue
1: oh I, I mean essentially i was just going to say that we you know we, again we're in that dance studio with them and we see again people who are otherwise really normal you 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 see like insecurities you see uh things that mm-hmm. were kind of left in the dark beforehand come out into light and because they're so inebriated by the
2: xc i, I think it's they, it is ecstasy, correct
1: it's lsd lsd yeah if I'm,
2: if I'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure it was lsd
1: because once... i just
2: remember at the end the 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 chick has the book, yeah. Which was like LSD, like psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, just she, let me confirm. <laughs> the, the okay, and, and quick spoilers
1: for the movie: the woman who does it has a totally fine night. Nothing happens to her the whole time, while other people oh. are, you know, being attacked, uh, being locked out of the dance studio, while it's a blizzard outside, people being killed, people being, you know, potentially being sexually assaulted. Like it, there's a. Oh, so it is, it is LSD. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep,
2: and also there, a, there is we get a young no, sorry, Sophia patella in this movie as well. The Mummy's oh, own. Yeah. <laughs> was she no? I mean, when, no, because she did uh, Kingsman like f- three years beforehand. Oh, did she? No, okay. yeah, but it's it's yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Kingsman I didn't was like 2014. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was not Kingsman
0: 2014. Kingsman was. Yeah, Kingsman was 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: that's when I first saw Sophia Botella. cuz yeah. um cuz she was cuz obviously she's a great dancer. She did like a bunch of like Nike commercials and stuff like that. But I became like a massive fan of hers from Kingsman. Obviously cuz she's a fucking smoke show. Yes. Some like yeah. this girl's a babe. I need to see her more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what but, else uh, is she in? <laughs> she Atom- was in uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic yep. Blonde which it has a a great lesbian sex scene between her. Um, well, Climb actually also has a, a lesbian sex scene too, but it's nowhere near as um, as good as uh, Atomic Blonde. Yeah, because Atomic Blonde, we get nudity, <laughs> we get some Charlize Theron kissing flavor, mm-hmm. so it's great. But she was also in Hotel Artemis. Yep. She played niece. Um, I did not like the movie, but I thought she was great. Uh, what else? Was, oh, she's in a new movie coming out called Settlers, which I saw the trailer for the other day. Mm-hmm. but uh but yeah she's been in a handful of stuff um i don't like talking about the movie mommy because i thought that movie was fucking <laughs> trash it was trash and it was really unfortunate too because i i was all in on this dark universe i was all in on these i was too man classic she,
0: like i'm down for that i'm never gonna get over Russell that
2: shut up <laughs> but they really the, i mean you guys i'm sure you guys remember is that awesome photo they released it was like giant yep. depp javier bardem you know, Sophia Vitella, Tom, and I'm and then like, they're Jolie. like announcing Jenny Jo. I don't think she was in the photo, but no, I but just she, remember. Yeah, but she was attached. She was going to play the yeah, Bride yeah, Frankenstein yeah. and it was just like, all right, here and we I'm go. And I'm like, here we go. Let's do this. But it was one of those classic situations of Hollywood when they just get way too ahead of themselves. That's what happens when the Transformers writers are
0: in charge of your dark universe. <laughs> I said <laughs> that, t-
2: I say that during Snake Eyes last night. I'm like, this feels like something out of the Akiva Goldsmith Valley pack. That's oh, really like my way of fucking defining that movie but to get back to climax well i was uh, real quick um, i want to
1: say that we yeah. somehow figured out a way to parallel a24 to the dark dark verse yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like that that is that's, literally that's, the best and the worst. That's, that's how it goes here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but well, Martin, yeah um i wanted to ahead. ask you really quick you know I, I brought up climax and i know you said you had you wanted to quickly talk about florida the florida project were there any i wanted to hear some of your favorites because um I know that we have a couple here that are listed that we want to talk about, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think climax, like I said, I feel like we've kind of covered that to, to as much as we can, because Mm -hmm. again, the only way to watch and enjoy and talk about climax, the best way to experience it is to watch it, you know, we can talk about it all day, um, but it's, it's I think it has incredible,
2: I think it has incredible performances too, I think. And it, you're really relying on your actors in that situation when you're doing these continuous long takes, um so the performances are great like you said it's very visual it's not and this is maybe a hot take i don't know if you maybe agree or disagree with me but from what from what i remember it's not it wasn't as violent as i thought it was going to be yeah because i remember when i first saw a trailer i thought they were all And again an explorer i thought it was going to end up with everyone literally killing themselves Mm -hmm. and it was going to be this like massive bloodbath and that wasn't even the case i think only maybe like three one person dies in the movie like yeah, the, I think it's the, it's the one that gets kicked out.
1: Yeah, yeah. The woman um, who locked her kid in the closet. Oh
2: dead. right, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and yeah. I think the kid dies too. I think he electrocutes himself by accident. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So it wasn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a a, a situation where like they're all ripping each other apart, which mm-hmm. I literally thought was going to be. It's just more of like everyone is like high and freaking out. And to go back to a, to bring it back to Moonlight in a way. You know, just like you were saying, because I think it's it's I think it was really well said of how like everyone's now sort of insecurities and anxieties, everything is at the forefront. And in a way, people are showing who they truly are. Mm-hmm. You know, so like all these even though we have really weird moments with like between brothers and sisters and all this how crazy shit. Yeah, but it was it was like, you know, we had the we had the interviews in the beginning to give a little kind of context to the characters, but then throughout the constant dialogue of just all these people talking shooting the shit getting enough sense for them and then seeing who they truly are after the lsd hits again it's it's like um i'm kind of like talking myself into liking the movie more now that i think about it yeah <laughs> so sometimes, that's happens. what happens yeah so yeah. this is what happens yeah but uh but yeah it's a movie i saw once um i don't think i've ever discussed it until now so uh so you know i kind of want to get back and, and check it out again but yeah but yeah um can i say get, really quick? Well, Uh, I I have a number
1: 24 on my ranking. It's it's sandwiched between a ghost story and eighth grade. So, and, and to kind of caveat that I say up to about, I want to say like probably 60 is where it kind of middles between good and average. That's how good a 24 is. You get 60 films in and it's still, I mean, obviously we have our top tier films. We have our like really, really great films. And then, I want to say, like, uh, I think I have Waves, or excuse me, not Waves. I I have Climax in the A tier. I want to say, like, around the middle of the C tier is where it starts to get really average. You know, everything, middle, C, up is pretty, pretty good, I'd say.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I would love to talk about, um... I mean, because I I feel like we just completely ignored Nick in that conversation, so,
0: I mean, I feel like
2: we should talk about (laughs) a movie. Wait, Nick's here? I didn't know that. Yeah, we should, like, talk. I think we should get Nick's two cents in here, so, I mean... A movie that we can talk. I don't know, Nick, what, what, what's a one that you want to talk about? Oh, I mean, I'm looking at
0: like this list right now. I'm looking at your list, Chris, mm-hmm. and there's so many that I do would love to touch. Uh, I think we should talk about The Lighthouse. Oh, Let's talk about The Lighthouse. Boy. It's Hark. time. Hark. Let's talk about it's The time. Lighthouse. Yeah. It's time. All right. Here's, here's what I'll say about The Lighthouse. Damn ye. <laughs> Phenomenal performances. Mm-hmm. Absolutely locked in on Defoe and Pattinson in in this movie. And I thought this was probably one of Defoe's best performances. The monologues that he says are just insane. Like it's just this uh, pages and pages of dialogue that he just absolutely crushes. So for that alone, I find the movie very interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. But I think the issue that I have with it is, and it it, it, it could be a play on me, because the trailer presented one thing and what we got was some completely different. The movie's basically a metaphor. It's one giant metaphor, whether I, f- I forget uh, or some
2: like Greek, philosophical Greek Greek gods and things bullshit. like that.
0: Yeah, so yeah. It, it delves into all of that. And there's a lot where it's just like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. I think there were points, that's one of those movies where I'm on board and then it lost me, then I'm back on board, then it lost me, then I'm on board, and then it ends, and I'm like, what did I just watch?
1: I think right. there was an interview with Robert Pattinson where someone had asked him what The Lighthouse was about, and he said he didn't know.
2: Like, he was like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, that's like, okay, well, I mean, Chris, do you want to go, and then I can give my two cents?
1: Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, The Lighthouse yes. was a film that I was really excited about when they first showed the trailers, I think maybe before Waves. Uh, I was like, I'm definitely going to see this. I love Willem Dafoe. I love Robert Pattinson. Um I wasn't really, I wasn't really sold or no, I won't say I wasn't sold. I wasn't really sure what the movie was about until I kind of dove in deeper and, and kind of figured out that it was going to be kind of like an isolated think tank on again, toxic masculinity, uh, be, you know, being crazy, all, all the things that this movie covers. And I went to a movie theater. i had to actually find a movie theater. They weren't showing it really anywhere in St. Louis. I had to go and drive about 40 miles outside of St. Louis to go see it in this small wow, AMC, shit that it was me and one other guy. It was like, I think it was the Friday after opening night. So that, that Thursday and then Friday the next day is when I went to see it. And I remember leaving the theater and going, I love what I just saw, but I don't know why, you know, it's, it's one of those mm-hmm. ones where you have to see it multiple times. You have to watch a video essay on YouTube to figure out what's happening. You got to listen to, you know, director commentaries, listen to, you know, actor interviews, uh, and. Robert Eggers will probably be at the forefront with like Ari Aster as the leaders in the horror genre going forward. They'll they'll create the new renaissance as they say of the horror genre. And, and The Lighthouse again to kind of reference my my ranking, it's number two. So I feel like there's going to be some Oof. difference between between me, yeah. me and you guys. Uh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It's probably it was actually I made a video a couple of years ago, my favorite films of 2019. It was number one. It actually it barely beat out. Our, yeah, it barely beat out uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So it
2: was my We saw film. that at TIFF. Yep. We saw that at TIFF. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another it. one that we kind of have mixed feelings about. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say that um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire has some of the best lighting I, I think I've ever it's seen. It's like, like in shot the in five. k yeah, oh yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah so, something there's something about it that's just like you get like, some of these incredible, beautiful, just well naturally lit shot. It's mm-hmm. almost like whoever was in charge of like the fucking. Like it's almost like someone was in charge of the sun, and they were like cranking it to like get the right lighting onto yeah. what was going on. The blues or greens, um, and the reds or oranges. And yeah, like, everything. Yeah. I yeah. I just remember it was so visually. It was such a visually beautiful film. I thought it was okay. Um, I thought the ending really saved it for me. I oh, thought the ending was up. very beautiful. Was yeah, the yeah. Movie, um, in the theater after Portrait yeah. of Lady on Fire, which was really interesting too, because I believe that was the first movie we saw at TIFF. That yeah, was, and
0: it was it was really cool because when we went to TIFF, the theater we saw it in. Well, it had, like, a theme to it. You remember that, Martin? When we walked in, like, this, it had it was a balcony, like, uh... and the balcony had all this, like, greenery on it. Like, all well, this – it was not... almost like
2: – Well, it was a Broadway theater, so I don't know if maybe that oh, was for yeah, that reason. It,
0: for that, but yeah, it was cool. Uh...
2: It really set the tone for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to get back to Lighthouse – and, okay, Chris, this is not against you okay. in, in any way. But I felt – because, okay, I watched the movie. I'm with Nick. I thought we were going to get some again, some sort of x a situation where these two people are trapped. It's an isolated incident. You lose your your sanity. Shit gets crazy, and then you know we're we're in for like a horror sort of thrill ride. Oh, I mean, almost
0: like I expected something like
2: The Witch, where it's yeah. like at
0: the end we eventually get like witches. You know what I mean? And here it's not like that,
2: right? This and so I was so I saw it like yeah, great. So that's a good point. So it's like saw The Witch. That was kind of very straightforward. It was very slow burn, but I really enjoyed the movie. Great ending. So I'm like, all right, let's see what Robert Eggers is going to do. I saw the trailer. I thought it was going to be something more in line like that. So I guess that's my mistake for thinking that. But I was watching this. Um, agreed. Robert Pattinson, Blum DeFoe, incredible performances. I thought I was a really big fan of the aspect ratio. And I really enjoyed the sort of technical aspect of it, like the vignette how it kind of fades out into the black um, bars on the side. So from a technical standpoint, I thought it was great. But to me, when I left that movie theater, I was just like, like, you, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and reading up on it, it just felt like it was a movie that was, that like film snobs are going to praise just because everyone else is praising it. Yeah. So it was like that one person hopped on board said so it was incredible. And then you had all these like film snobby film students who are just going to go along with what people are saying. That's to me what it felt like. And I've had a few of those instances watching movies. Um, and that's to me is, is because this is, this is just my personal opinion and I could be 100% wrong and you can call me out on it. And that's totally fine. <laughs> but in my opinion, nobody. Knew the metaphors, the <laughs> metaphorical <laughs> situation of nobody knew that you can't, you had you to, to go look it up. You had you to go had look it, up. Go yeah, look it yeah. up. So, like, if you want to say it's visually beautiful, but don't tell me that you understood what happened because there's no, unless you're like a museum curator and you know all this Greek shit. And sure, I'm sure I don't want to say nobody, I'm sure there was a handful of people who probably could connect the dots into what they were watching. But I just think majority of the people who were just giving it all this praise, I'm like. Dude, you did not understand the movie. Don't tell me you understood the movie. I, I, just, I didn't buy it, and it just to me it felt like it was this sort of unfair praise. Like you can praise it for the acting, for you know the cinematography, for whatever, but it was just everyone was just raving about this movie and talking about how amazing it was, and I'm like, did you even get it? Like the uh... and that that also turned me off even more so. So it's just my kind of person. it's just my personal issues that kind of pissed me off with how this movie was received. Um, I think there is some good in it, but overall I just, it, it was too, it was way, t- like I think a movie like mother, which is also extremely metaphorical. Um, I think that movie is really well done and it's, it's more sort of, it's got a more clear sort of narrative. Where where I did understand what was going on, even though it was one, of the, it was by far the most uncomfortable viewing experiences I've ever had in movie theater because I'm not a big fan. Going back to climax of like just like pregnant woman getting like abused, I hate that. Like I can't, mm-hmm. ugh, like I can, that's like I can't do it. So so there were so many moments where I wanted to walk at a mother, but I thought it was a well made film. Well, like the narrative was really straightforward and I understood it. Whereas to here, I was just like. It was it was way too deep cut, and but again at the same time it was Robert Eggers' vision and good for A twenty four for letting him see it out. Yeah, can I, I, I Nick? I'm gonna let you say your piece on it, but I just
1: want to quickly highlight a quick moment in the movie and and something that I really loved was the drunken scene between uh, Thomas and I guess they're both named Thomas, aren't they? I believe they are. Yeah, because he says his I can't name remember. is. Yeah, he says his name is something else. Robert says his name is something else, and he he lies and says his name is Thomas at the end. But the scene where they're really drunk, I think it's like near the near near the middle of the film, where you see them get into a fight. They're drunk. They're getting into a fight, and then all of a sudden, the next scene, it's a quick cut to them dancing and like on each other. And there's a quick moment where they're like really close in each other's face, and you see a quick vulnerability, and you could see that maybe they thought about potentially like kissing there in that moment. And they push each other and start punching each other again. Uh, I was in the army. Aaron, my co-host, and I were both in the military together, and that's how we—that's oh, awesome. how we met each other. And uh, you know, there are certain times. Again, I feel like all of these movies just—we should just—it should just be called a toxic masculinity because almost all these films <laughs> deal with that in some way or another. Because mm-hmm. you know, in that moment, they had a, they had a second to connect. Uh, two guys who hated each other uh, had a second connect, and you see that a lot in the military. Uh, I, I think of one specific time where in basic training, we were, you know, confined to our barracks and there would be one moment where we would all sit in the, sit in a circle and cry about, you know, the girl at home and talk about times that we missed. And the next moment we would be on the mats wrestling each other because we just had to get out something like we were, we, aggression and all the things, and there's a, a fine line between, you know, aggression and sex, you know, like there's, there's some mm-hmm. kind of fine line now we're getting philosophical here, but like, there's the, like, uh, anger and sex are similar. There's videos on this a bunch, and a lot of them relate to the lighthouse. And I think Robert Eggers including that in this film and kind of playing with that idea was really interesting. And that was a, that was one theme that I kind of understood while watching it. And, and of course, the other 17, uh, you know, ones that I didn't understand. I completely agree with you, absolutely. That there were certain parts of the film that I like. Wait, why is he having sex with a alien light? And uh, why are what's what's the deal with the pelicans and and the whole thing? He's you know? he's
2: he's jerking off to like a mermaid, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, but that's again that's the beauty of film because it's all so subjective and you relate. Everyone relates and reacts to films differently, and mm-hmm. it could be you know based off of personal experiences. Um, I know Nick wasn't crazy about. Um, What's the movie that Zendaya and John David Washington just did on Netflix? Oh.
0: Oh. Uh, Why am I drawing a blank on it? It's it's two names.
2: Oh, right, it's, uh, something it's, it's and Marie. Name. Something yeah. and Marie. Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, to for me to get a little bit personal too, it's like I related to that a lot too because I've been in my own sort of toxic relationships. So even though it's so over the top and they're constantly fighting and it just doesn't stop them like, dude, I totally get this. Like, I understand where they're coming from. I understand this this relationship. So I actually ended up really enjoying it. And then I remember I went to see what people were saying about it and it had like a rotten score on tomatoes. And and everyone I spoke to about it was just like, dude, I was so over that movie like 30 minutes in. And I'm like, all right, well, I mean, that's the beauty of film. It's subjective. You react to it differently. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you see that for your personal reasons. I don't, but I think that's like the beauty of it. Very much like we were talking about with Ex Machina, where I see this poetic mo- moment of like the most primitive thing on earth with the most advanced thing on earth. And no one's – I don't know if everyone else will get that, but that's just how I interpret it. I didn't. It. I didn't I'm, I glad you, it. I'm glad you brought that up. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. See, so it's like – it. that's that's the beauty of film. That, that yeah. really is. And And when you can be civilized and discuss it rather than just – Again, to just be toxic and just for whatever fucking reason you have, when well, you can just discuss it, that's even like a more beautiful thing, in my opinion. Like we disagree on the movie, but we can just like talk it out and bring out the good points, bring out the bad, and just like go on about our day. Like we don't have to, you know. Again, toxic masculinity. Like we don't have to put out like say why we don't have why. to fight about it. Yeah, we don't have to say why we're right. I'm yeah. right because of this and that's yeah. that. It's like no, I can see your points. I understand where you're coming from. Cool but I disagree. And that's just like the whole like thing about it. So uh, I'm glad you said that story. I really did because I think that's, I think that's beautiful. That's incredible. So I'm sure that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more people who felt that way for, for whatever reason, you know, like I said, Nick and I live together. We work out together. There may or may not be some sexual tension sometimes. So if I go you just back, it. that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah if, if I go, if, if I go back and rewatch the lighthouse, like, you know, like, Maybe I'll be like, oh, bro, that's when we were doing squats. Yeah. yeah. Like, who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Bill, Nick, what did well, you I, think of
2: The Lighthouse? So, the well, I mean, the last thing
0: that I'll say about it is even though, like I said, I love the performances and to echo production design, cinematography, the scene of Robert Pattinson kicking the shit out of the, the, the pelican or, or the, the pigeon, the seagull. Whatever, or the seagull, yes, no, the seagull. seagull yes. Yeah. The I remember one of the one of the first videos we made for the podcast was after the Batman trailer came out and we compared him beating down the criminal in the Batman trailer to the him beating down the seagull. We did a side by side. Hilarious. It yeah. still cracks me <laughs> up to watch that. But for for all of that, yeah, just on there was a certain level that I just couldn't really connect with the movie on. But and Martin knows this, too. I'll always applaud a movie's ambition. If a movie swings to the Hell fences, yeah, dude. Whether, have or not to. It, whether or not it hits, I will always champion that—that that the director saw his vision through. He had uh, this crazy idea that he just wanted to show on screen, and I absolutely love that. And it's—it's it's funny too, Chris. You were saying about how after you saw the lighthouse, you had to go home, watch you know, watch videos on it, like look up essays and things like that. I did the same thing for Tenant mm-hmm. when Tenet came out because I feel like Tenant, like a lot of people, and even me included, had no idea what the fuck just happened after we saw it. And then going back, I was like, I, I need to read about this movie. I need. I was. I was just obsessing over what I just saw, so I can see the same thing happening with the lighthouse. Just people not knowing what they just watched, being so locked into it, and be like, I need to
2: read more about this. I Need to know more. Yeah, yeah. But unlike Tenant, Tenant got shitted on. <laughs> it did. It <laughs> lighthouse did it. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. So I like, so. yeah and actually, Tenant is another movie that I have the same feeling about because I felt like a lot of people, a lot of these Nolan fanboys who were praising it, I was like, you don't understand what happened. Like, mm-hmm. don't try to tell me that you understood what happened. You did not, bro. Like, let's be real here. We can talk about how great Nolan is, but don't just give it the pass. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm the firm believer who, like, no matter how much I love the creator, like I said, I love Alex Garland, but Dev's, the ending was shit. Like, I'll say, like, I don't, I don't mind. So, you always got to give props. You always got to give credit to where it's due and vice versa. If you see someone who does a bunch of shit projects and then they do that one that is really good. Like I was not looking forward to snake eyes a lot, just for my personal reasons. I, I was not a fan of how they were handling the source material, but if that movie was amazing, I would have been the first one to say like, they did it. They did a good job. You know, it wasn't obviously, (laughs) but, but yeah, you just gotta be, you gotta be fair. That's, I guess that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's only right
1: that since we talked about The Lighthouse, we have to go into uh, his other counterpart over at A24. Uh, My Well, I I think we're at the lead now. I don't need to bear it anymore, I don't think. I think Mm -hmm. my my favorite A24 film of all time, my favorite horror film of all time, my favorite film of 2018, that's Hereditary by Ari Aster. And Mm -hmm. it is by far the most, I would say, maybe outside of Avengers Endgame, the most affected I've ever been from a film in the theater. Leaving the theater. Is after, that, was that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just leaving the theater after hereditary. I was haunted. I couldn't sleep. Not because I believed anything, but just the, the
2: mm-hmm. imagery and the, that's what it is, dude. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's all imagery. It's the most disturbing imagery I think I've ever witnessed in a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's up there with like a lot of like the seventies, eighties movies to me, which is really hilarious. The movie that's the the image that still haunts the shit out of me because I watched it when I was way too young was um, Sleepaway Camp. Oh yeah, when <laughs> the final shot of Angela, you know, yeah. holding the knife with her face and she's got a dick. It turns out it's a dude. Spoiler alert, <laughs> but. That I, – I watched – I was so – I must have been like maybe two or three years old when I saw that. But just like the sounds she was doing, holding the, the kid that she just killed and then like the – oh Sleepaway Camp is like – you just have to say that name and everyone goes,
1: oh, the ending.
2: Like <laughs> – yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because it is yet. not a good movie. Like yeah. it is not a good movie by but it's any amazing. means.
0: It's one of the best twists like ever. In cr- shown one of the, film, bit, yeah, it's
2: an incredible twist. It's really well done, and it just it's a haunting like final shot of a movie. But I thought that was very much. I thought I thought Hereditary was very much in line with those movies like like Camp, like Don't Look Now, like mm-hmm. Suspiria. These sort of movies from the seventies to eighties that there are these these images that are just they get stuck in your head and yeah. me personally because I'm, I'm a massive horror nut. like i'm a huge um horror is probably my favorite genre So there are so many movies that i saw that I just like these images stay in my head and hereditary i feel like in my sort of like like gigabyte mental library it probably took up like 20 yeah. percent of like my hard drive you know because there's just so many moments where you just like uh we we're, we're, yeah i'm with you it's it's fucking haunting there and, are, there are at least six images in that movie that haunt me to this day
1: like six yeah, and,
2: shots you know and quick side note before we move any fo- any further um a fuck you to the academy for snubbing yes. tony Collette. Yep, that was bullshit 100%, 100%. And, and b we were talking about this last night alex wolf that kid is making all the right decisions you're mm-hmm. talking about there's some people out there who kind of chase chase the money so to speak. And, and like the, the, the big, the, the big fame. movie. Yeah. The they fame, chase the yeah. fame. Right. Where as people like Alex Wolf, people like, like, like Keith Stanfield, for example, who they, they work, they focus on these sort of more creative driven projects. They work with the right people. It's, and, yeah,
0: it's like, who's, who's the director? Who am I starring
2: with? Like, right. I want to work with these, these specific people. Right. And you may not get a bigger paycheck, but you are working with like talent and you are, in these projects where I'm sure you can just learn so much. So shout out to shout out to Alex Wolf. I think he like I think the kid's doing a great job after last night after watching Pig. So um keep it I'm going. I'm excited to see him in old too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm yep. I'm hoping it's good. Um I'm a big M Night Shyamalan fan. Uh I was really disappointed by Glass. Mm-hmm. I thought he really I thought the guest was great. Another one that's well, like really- you mean
0: that you mean the visit?
2: the visit i'm sorry yeah i went yeah. with the grandparents yeah yeah. yeah. with Catherine han and, and them so i thought that was a really sort of small budget um super small budget return to form from him then obviously he did split um what was the other one that he did was it just well, those two well yeah it was just those two that okay. he jumped in glass yeah yeah, yeah and, and glass was uh, yeah. but um but to get back to it hereditary absolutely incredible um we can. I know you said that him and Robert Eggers are in line to sort of lead this sort of horror, this next horror generation. But I, I don't want to say I disagree because I think they are in that um, tier. Mm-hmm. But I think there are so many great names in horror right now Yeah. that are just really going to – this genre I feel like it's on the verge of exploding. I think we had some really great horror films in the past decade, um, both We're small in budget and big budget. Yes, we really are. We really are. Because I think, you know, the 2000s was your classic sort of more in line with like Final Destination, mm-hmm. kind of that shit, you know, like 90s was your slasher. And then we went to 2000s where it was like the sort of, it, it wasn't horror. It was more like entertainment, you know, yeah, and it was like, of itself. you know, exactly in a sense. But, you know, we got Conjuring very early on in, in the past, decade. Like, I believe it was 2013 and I think since then, we've just had these really great horror films, these really great voices in horror movies. Um, uh, did you see Raw by any chance? I have not, no. Ju- like, yeah, like I, I think people like Julia DeCorno, who has a movie coming up. People like Karen Kusuma, who's going to be doing the next Dracula movie. We talk about Robert Eggers. We talked about, you know, um, uh, Ari Aster. But other than that, you have these people like Jordan Peele, who-, who is now on the come up. People like... Um, uh, John Krasinski, even like mm-hmm. you know, doing a great movie with uh with The Quiet Place. So I think there's a lot of like uh Fede Alvarez too, because we just saw Don't Breathe, the yep. trailer for Don't Breathe too. Yeah. So uh yeah, I think there there's a lot of like good names that are that are going to eventually really make a splash in the horror genre. But uh but yeah, Hereditary definitely put it like I feel put it back on the map mm-hmm. because I think it was slowly rising. You know, between like Get Out obviously won the Oscar, which is, which was huge. But it was really like it was getting there. It was getting there. We were having this sort of horror renaissance, and then Hereditary came out, and it was like boom. That yeah. was like the big like mic drop. And uh,
1: and yeah, I think that movie's incredible. Yeah, Nick, what did you think of Hereditary? Because I think I really don't have to say much here. It, it is again favorite horror film of all time. There are plenty of things that I think Martin kind of covered it as far as like Tony Collette should have won her her Oscar. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Wolf sure. maybe should even got a nom for Best Supporting Actor, like. They're just so I wouldn't many, have hated it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're just there's so many, so many good things that are good about this. I actually bought the A24 uh screen, the screen book, the what do you call it, the screenplay. They put out like a oh, series nice. of books. Oh, and hell yeah. This dude,
2: I, Ari Aster, I love his his writing style.
1: Yes. Um he's very very visual. Everything is very visual, huge. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like when you because I've read both his scripts for Midsommar and for Hereditary, and I just love some of the stuff that he that he like there's the um the sequence in Midsommar when, you know, when Cat Florence Pugh's character is, is screaming with, mm-hmm. uh, with all the other people. And he talks about, like, in the, in, the tel- in the screenplay, it's more like, you know, they're in sync. They're moving back and forth. It's very, it's very beautiful. It's poetic. And, and he's literally, literally describing the scene, like, beat for beat. And you're almost like, holy shit. Because like, I, I, I think a lot of times, you know, like, screenplays are like, they're screaming in each other in tandem you know it's like that yeah and then it's figure up to it like out. the director yeah, <laughs> yeah, figure yeah, yeah. Out. Do, do what you want but he literally and i think that's also kind of a testament i think when you are the director and it is your words um you also have a, a different kind of feel for it mm-hmm. but you know it's like if someone else had gotten that script and it wasn't him who directed it you can you can almost like visualize like okay i know exactly what this guy what this guy's kind of going for he right. probably wouldn't it would have probably would have been executed differently but it would have been kind of more in line of to what we got, but, um, but yeah, just a little. Well,
0: I would also say too, to that point, I think he also allows a great deal of freedom to his actors to kind of do certain things, especially with both hereditary and Midsommar with Tony Collette and then Florence Pugh, like both of those performances are fantastic. Like really great work from both, from both actors. And I feel like, there's a point where really good collaboration happens and they're able to really talk things out and feel things out and come up with something that they're both really happy with. And I think that that's why those movies are as successful as they are because of those, both those performances in each film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris, the thing I want to ask you too, because you said there are certain images in hereditary that haunt your dreams. What are those images?
1: Okay. You're right for this. Close your eyes listeners and just and picture these, because if you've seen hereditary, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. So the first thing that comes to mind is when Tony Collette is in her workshop and she kind of like glances over to the corner of the room and she, you see, you can visually see the outline of her mother. And then she turns it back around and looks at, and there's nothing there. Like mm-hmm. it is so slight and so quick. It is, it's, it's like almost like, like your
2: classic horror trope of like someone's lurking in the background. It's almost like when you think of like in a horror movie, mm-hmm. when someone's in the bathroom, you know, they open up the mirror. You know, cabinet, whatever, take out something, and when they close it, there's always someone in the fucking back. Yeah, it's like that, that classic yeah. show. Mm-hmm. and it was a sort of situation with here too, where we're like there's you you know, but it's like, but it was just done differently. And mm-hmm. I like how you said that it's so subtle, but you're just like fuck. Yeah, like, like did you really see sure. it? Did you see it? Yeah, I think right. I, I did. did.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I hundred yeah, yeah, percent yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh Another one is. Okay, so I'm jumping around a little bit here, but the nightmare scene with Alex Wolfe's, Peter's character, um, when uh, it's, or maybe it's Tony Collette's dream. They're yelling at each other and all of a sudden it flashes to him. She's like, I wish I never would have had you. And then it flashes to him. He goes, what? And it flashes back to her. And then it flashes back to him. And when it flashes back to him, he's covered in gas. And then all of a sudden she goes, and and the look on her face, it's that famous, you know, Tony Collette face that she makes a couple of times in this movie. It again, chills. Okay.
2: Right, uh, and wasn't wasn't it like raining in that scene, I believe, or am uh, I mistaken? Very possible. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if so it was. Yeah, be yeah, because fair, I think
1: I, I I was just gonna admit really quickly, I've only seen Hereditary three times. I refuse to watch it a lot because I feel like there I've seen it I saw it in theaters, I saw it at home, and I saw it at what's called the Tivoli here in St. Louis. It's a classic theater. They have like movie mm-hmm. nights. It's it's a great viewing experience. Um. Yeah, you know, I've just, seen
2: it a couple times because I'm fucked up. Saw so. <laughs> so mitsumar a couple times too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. No. Because I just because as much as we're praising the imagery, I think the sound in hereditary mm-hmm. is also like when you think of like the tongue clicking. Yes. Fuck, bro. Yeah. Think of like the uh, the bird like the, uh, bones. What's
1: that it's instrument like instrument they use in horror films? The wrong. It's like, it's
2: almost like a cello kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's right. like, but it's like it's very sort of like. It's like dread. It's just like yeah. instant fucking dread. Well, well, I'll say that's it too. Because with horror,
0: it, it's sa- like sound is really what makes horror scary.
2: Mm-hmm. Sometimes
0: it's what you hear, and sometimes it's what you don't hear that really like amps up the tension. And it's yeah. like that's like to me the
2: most important part is the is the sound, you right? Know and yeah. also whenever you want to get a jump scare, they always throw in the boom. Yep. like it's always <laughs> like just to like amplify it. Yeah. But I agree with you too. Some some of the most horrifying moments are it's are when you know it's drowned out. Yeah. And then you just – because then you, you feel like you're in it and you're just like holding your breath and you're like, what the fuck is going to happen?
1: That's one of my favorite parts of Hereditary and the reason why I love it so much is that there's not one jump scare in this entire movie. Did you guys notice that? Well, I, Yeah, and
2: I think we've – again, in this sort of horror renaissance, I think we've come like significantly um, straight away from the jump scares. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think we are kind of entering – I think in big budget horror, it's still there. Yeah, like in, like like in terms of like, what the, the big studios pull
0: out. Yeah, like, like well, I mean, right. Sinister, I think, is a really good horror movie. But, like, I think just yeah. still to, to this day, like, those more studio-driven mm-hmm. horror films still have those those big jumps. Because even, like, like we just saw Conjuring 3 still had those jump scares in it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like uh, the – but, like, like, the, but like I think something like Hereditary or some of these horror movies that are kind of harkening back to the 70s and 80s type of film, no jump scares. Just That's all, another good,
2: good yeah. uh, horror director, too, uh, Derek uh, from – from Sinister. What's his face? Derek is it Derek? Oh, Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson, yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, and these sort Dr. of like strange. lower Dr. Yeah. strange and these sort of lower budget movies, it's like I think the ones the ones that are so much better are the sort of, you know, psychological thriller type of situations, you know. So I do agree that they're all, we still get those sort of jump scares, but I do think we are getting we're kind of getting into a sort of smarter horror, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, with yeah. everything that we've gotten in the past, you know, between like we're saying like with uh with hereditary. But uh um another sort of just disturbing image that I always kinda of think about is just her head covered in flies in yes. the middle of the road. Yeah. It, it, like, Tony
1: Collette crying and then it just jumps to uh, jump to, to Charlie's head on the side of the road. It's like God. yeah.
2: And I just I I just loved so many moments, including the dollhouse, of how they incorporate it into the movie of how you know when you get these wide sort of almost like sectional cuts mm-hmm. of like you know you see this little character here as if it were a doll you know or these sort of like faded out shots like the final one where it's all black and you just get the little room kind of um room picture you know and it's just like yeah again in terms of sound the the fucking wire Oh stop,
0: bro. Stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like Oh that, my god. Like there's just so much like in term, in terms of imagery and sound, they they literally knocked it out of the park. It was yeah. that, that incredible. one
0: like for like and you know, cause like the another like crazy image too is when Gabriel Byrne, I think his character's name is Steve, just catches on fire. Yes. And then there's that that fantastic wide shot of Tony Collette just, just stand there looking at it. And it's yep. so, it's a great shot, but it's also haunting. But yeah, bro, the piano wire might have been like the worst part for me was that was that moment the three shots that really that i want to kind of
1: kind of end my my long disturbing talk about disturbing shots (laughs) in this movie uh the one where they're at charlie's funeral and you have the the crane shot from watching the family cry at her grave and kind of slowly going down into another grave that's that, what i'm John? saying
2: like the sectional cut the sectional work that they do yeah I'm, I'm an architect so when i think when i say section <laughs> i mean like you're cutting through a house so yeah. that's like yeah. a, that's <laughs> right so that's what it, i'm you know sectional sectionals like a fucking couch but that's not what <laughs> i meant it's like when you're literally like when the, almost like when a dollhouse is like wide and you're almost like cutting through it and you see like the different rooms kind of like that shit and then yeah like i'm with you when you're when it goes into the ground it's like the camera work in that movie is just. It was so well done. It was – and I believe that was Ari Aster's first film, correct?
1: Yes. Or, well, he's done some yeah. shorts, but this was his first feature. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but he like splashed on the scene and it was like like – You're like, like holy shit, this guy. This guy, yeah. And yeah. then it comes out with like Midsommar I think the next year. It yep. was insane. Mm-hmm. And now so, his next film,
0: he's got Joaquin Phoenix on board and they're they're in the middle of filming. So I wanted
1: to quickly go over two more scenes in Hereditary, and then we can kind of round out the Hereditary talk. Because again, I think it's well known that we all three love this this film. Uh, two more mm-hmm. haunting imagery or images, excuse me. Was uh, so at the end of the film when uh, I think it's Steve. Is it Steve's character? Uh, mm-hmm. or what's who is it here? Um, yeah, uh, Steve Gabriel. Brown. Yeah, Steve was yeah. as burning alive, and then all of a sudden you turn around and the naked people, the smiling naked people, you see very ever so slightly in the walkway there in the living room. And it's like, and, and then if you go back and watch throughout the film, they're there a couple of different times, like whether mm-hmm. they're out in normal clothes, smiling at Charlie or whoever, or at the end of the film, once the the ceremony has started with Peter, if you look in the woods, they're everywhere. It's like insane. And it's yeah. so haunting and chilling, seeing all these naked old people smiling at you, <laughs> you know? the final scene that I wanted to talk about was so at the very end, after Tony Collette's character has already been possessed, we wake up to Peter after his incident at the school, which again, another shocking moment was when he smacks his head against the, uh, oh, oh, yeah. there. but Jesus. when you open up that wide shot there, you see Tony Collette's character kind of ever so slightly crawl. Oh, wait, when, he, when he's sitting t- on the bed. Yep. You see her in the, corner. Yes. you can see her like, kind of like almost like Batman and Batman uh, versus Superman kind of like yeah. up in the corner and yeah, yeah it's
2: almost like your classic possessed shot almost Yeah, you know of just like this body dysmorphia um kind of shit going on yeah but yeah good stuff really so yeah that's stuff. i mean again there were
1: a couple that's just you know a couple examples of how chilling this movie is and i can't say enough good things about hereditary it's again my favorite horror film of all time and i know that may be a hot take for some people but i will stand by that film until the day i die well are you a big horror fan yeah i mean i think i am a i'm a fan i'm a I would say I'm like a superficial fan of horror. You know, like I, I enjoy okay. the genre. I will, I'm not afraid to go see a, a horror film. I think horror is one of the most important genres that we have because fear is a feeling that we don't often feel. And when it's done right, mm-hmm. it can be, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It can, it can consume you. You know, right? Like, and I, I
2: think like almost in a way, horror and comedy are like the hardest movies to do because if you're watching a comedy in a theater and no one's laughing, then you probably did something <laughs> wrong. Same <laughs> thing with horror. If you're if you make a horror movie and no one is scared, then you probably did something wrong. You know, like you crushed right. everything. But um, okay, this is actually a fun question. This is kind of like irrelevant, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, since you're a superficial horror fan, mm-hmm. have you ever seen the Babadook? Yes. Yeah. Why are what you, did you like think of this? It? <laughs> what did you think of the Babadook?
1: Uh, it is one of those films that's again, I think, kind of polarizing. I think some people mm-hmm. like us who and I, like us, like we're some kind of scholars, you know, people who enjoy oh, the film.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> no, yeah. I always say, I always yeah. say, I will never call myself a cinephile ever. Martin hates the word cinephile. I yeah. hate the word cinephile yeah. <laughs> because I think people who use the word the term cinephile, yeah, like yeah. I think like fucking Tarantino, that guy's a cinephile because he literally knows almost everything um i put myself uh above the casual moviegoer moviegoer yeah yeah i'm the same way so yeah Yeah.
1: and i think that's a great parallel to the horror genre you know i i love the genre i'm always a fan of like a good horror film will sweep me off my feet but i'm not Mm -hmm. like i'm not studying you know practical effects from the early 1980s because i love you know that kind of thing so right
2: Right now, because I think uh, the Babadook is the most overrated horror film of all time. I think yeah, people I... went crazy for that movie, mm-hmm. and I did not like it. One, when... I think that movie had so much fucking potential, and I understand the message. I understand the message. So, like people, <laughs> Mark, did you get it? Did, it? did you did did get you it? it? Did I, you get uh, it? <laughs> I understood the message from the beginning, from when I first saw. So I'm like, okay, I, I get it, but I Nick, I don't I think you got it. I just think that movie, I think there were so many moments in that movie that could have truly been like chilling that you could have really had some like really like visually disturbing moments. And I just think it, it fell flat. And to me, I just, I did not like that movie at all. And I just couldn't understand when it came out, the, the prey, it was another situation. I'm like, I just don't understand. But again, it's got like a 90 plus in Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 99. Yeah, yeah something Or something ridiculous. like that. It's something yeah. insane. But I'm like, again, it's it's not for me to get, it's not for me to understand. Yeah. But I was just like, this is this is not like I don't yeah. fucking get it. But uh, but actually, you know what? With that being said, Jennifer Kent, though, I think she is another one. In terms of horror movie directors, I love this. I'm talking about all these horror movie directors. I'm giving all these <laughs> names out there. Like this is not something I normally don't do on the podcast, but um, Jennifer Kent is another one to kind of keep an eye out for because she did the Nightingale. I don't know if you saw that, huh, Chris. No, I hadn't. Um, which I love. That's another movie that there's a very uncomfortable uh, sexual assault scene in that movie. Mm. Probably it, it's one of the most I've ever, one of the most uncomfortable I've ever seen. But, um, but I thought the first two acts were incredible. The third act completely lost me because I thought there were some character decisions made that shouldn't have been made. Um, but she's another one who like to to keep an eye out for, especially all these people who talk about the Babalik. But yeah, she's another <laughs> one to kind of keep uh, keep an eye out for. But uh, yeah. but yeah, back to back to your scheduled programming of of uh, eight twenty four. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'll say uh, Chris, is there anything you else you want to say about Hereditary or Mitsumaru for that matter before we move on?
1: Here's what I'll say about both. Cause I also love Midsommar. Thank you for bringing that up. I don't think it's something that we necessarily need to like talk about for a bit because it's a lot of the same of hereditary. I think if you like hereditary, I feel like it's like a diet version of hereditary in, in certain aspects. You're getting the same. Have you, it. The,
0: oh, say, have, have you seen the director's cut?
1: Oh yeah. I own the A24. The, oh, you they do? Put oh, out nice. The, uh, the extra, they put out the extended cut. Actually, I think I mm-hmm. waited to see the film after it already left theater. Cause I knew that they were putting out the extended cut for that one week. If you guys remember. And okay. I went and saw the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. three and a half hour long version of it, and I think it definitely adds a lot to it. It's not like you know Zack Snyder, you know, type of like long <laughs> ultimate cut, but I, yeah. yeah. My thought on Midsummer and Hereditary, both, and Ari Aster as a as a filmmaker, is that he can only go up from here, and that's scary. Uh, scary, no pun intended. If you get what I'm saying, dude,
2: I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree. And, and again, like we keep talking about imagery and sound, he with just those two movies alone. Um, when you think of, like, for example, when you think of like the fucking bear painting in the background at the mm-hmm. very, very beginning, it's like um, this guy just he he visually he knows what he's doing. He's got yeah. a. Clear it's all grasp. those. It's all those little touches. You know? Yeah, he's got a clear yeah. grasp on on what he's doing. Devils so Yeah. I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, I know
1: there was one point in the midsummer uh, ultimate cut they uh, talked about how the subtitles for the Swedish villager or the 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 group the cult. They purposefully yeah. do not include the English dub because when you're watching the film with the subtitles on, you're still supposed to be at a loss. You're supposed to still feel out of place. Like, out of, the, like out of the loop, yeah. yeah. And they, they purposely left out the actual words that the people were saying. I just think that's a that's a, a great inclusion. That's the type of filmmaking yeah. that I love. The type of detail, again, devils in the detail kind of thing that I just mm-hmm. absolutely adore.
2: No, I oh, totally yeah. I totally agree with you. And it's one of the... It's one of the few horror movies that takes place completely in broad ass daylight in the the beginning, in the beginning, it's at night, obviously when, when, when their parents, when their family dies, but, but again, you're talking about, you know, like a toxic relationship again, in a way also toxic masculinity with Jack Ryan's um, is that his name? No, Ryan. What's his name? The, uh, hold on, hold on, I got it. It's not Jack Ryan.
1: No, no I, I know exactly. I know. I know you're talking about, about so. but I and I hate him in every single movie I've seen him in. Like every single film he's in, I absolutely cannot stand. <laughs> Have you seen Sing
2: Street? Yes, Jack Rayner. Jack, yep. Rainer. Rainer. His name's Jack Rainer. Rainer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually a Actually, of
1: it in my in my watch through, I'm gonna see if I can find it very quickly. Um, but I talked about how every time I've seen him. I just, I cannot stand him. <laughs> it's like Transformers. He's now, he's in one of the Transformers. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's he in, was in Transformers, a, the fourth one. Yeah. yeah. Fourth one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, With uh,
2: the Dinobots.
1: But did you like Sing Street though? Uh, I don't think it really left much of an impression on me, to be honest. I thought it was okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, it was, I mean, yeah, it was. yeah, because that's actually one that I I really enjoyed. I thought he was he was good in it too. Yeah. Well, I know you. Oh, I have uh? I know you have Martin Chris. Have you
0: seen Cherry, the Tom Holland movie that came out like in like February?
1: I have not. No, I wanted to see it when I saw the trailer. Is that the one where he like can talk to Daisy Ridley, like through no, his mind? That's, that's,
0: no, that's 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 Chaos Walking. Cherry oh. is
1: where he goes. He goes into the army. That's right. I think I started it because it's on Netflix, right? I think I started it, and yeah, I, it's
0: on it's on Netflix or Apple Plus or one of those. It's on it's on one of those ones.
1: I was doing things. You know how you get sometimes when you get into a movie, you're like, yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be on my phone," and then all of a sudden, you're like, 40 minutes," and you're like, "I gotta restart this," you know? I restart. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, first, me. first,
0: I mean, since since you were since you were in the army, I would like to get your take on it after you do eventually watch it, sure. but because I because I wasn't a big fan of it, but. Jack Raynor is in Cherry and he's probably my favorite part of that movie. Oh, interesting. Because his character is just is just is just out there. And he's yes. Yeah. I, I really I really like him in that movie. Yeah. I'm actually
2: a Jack Rayner fan, so it's another great thing that we kind of yeah, um, yeah. like.
1: Well, I mean, honest. the fact that I hate him in every movie is probably a great testament to his acting skills, you know?
2: Right. Well, it's also the characters he plays too.
1: Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but
2: he plays like he plays like a supportive big brother in Sing Street. So I mean that's like, you know. Yeah um but but oh i'm sorry i haven't seen so here. cherry
1: everything oh. from i found the tweet i'm so sorry april twenty okay. april 28th 2020 everything that jack rainer is in i hate him midsummer free fire free fire is another a24 movie oh there's that, an
2: a24 movie yep. that yeah. movie that movie should have been a fucking short it would have <laughs> yes. been an incredible short yep there yep. was no that movie just got sold so quick and i'm like why we had incredible characters incredible little banter back and forth but it's like there it was, just goes on for too long. It goes on for way too yeah. long. You get, I got over it so quickly because you're literally just in the fucking warehouse shooting each other. Um, I but, feel uh, like it was. Uh, I'm trying to look at the director
1: here, who the director was. Um, oh, that's. Uh, is it Ben Wheatley? Let me look here. It is. Was yeah, it? Ben Wheatley, and I feel like it was Ben's attempt at trying to make a Tarantino film. If, if that makes sense, like it's a lot probably. of probably dialogue heavy action with like colorful characters kind of thing. So yeah he also did into the
2: earth <laughs> i fucking hate it Ooh. i hated that movie Ooh. i left that i left the movie theater just angry because we saw like, we, we saw a double feature of that in mortal
0: Kombat. let's just oh. say it didn't go so well
2: yeah <laughs> that's a long three and a half four hours yeah oh my god i fucking oh hated goodness. that movie but um but yeah to to kind of get back to it um what the fuck were we talking about midsommar, we, midsommar. oh midsommar, yeah i would say yeah that's one of the few horror movies that takes place in like broad ass daylight which is like which is unique in its own and then again just just the imagery in that movie just um also, we can all
1: say that we fell in love with Florence Pugh way before Black Widow. And, I mean, did you family. listen to
2: our, wait, did our Black Widow review come out? It uh-huh. did. It did. Yeah. yeah I listened okay, to yeah, it. I it. Yeah. He listened to it. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause it, it, dude, it pisses me off so much, man. <laughs> it really does. It's just like. I love Florence Pugh like three out. years ago. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where everyone. were you guys three years ago? Everyone is now, and look, I love that she's getting the recognition because she a hundred percent deserves it. And we knew it was going to happen to her. She was going to be just a massive that, it's star. It's that just that little bit of just like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what how to describe it. Like I don't know if it's jealousy or what, but but it's like I knew her, like I knew her before yeah. you, bro. all right? <laughs> I've been with her since like you know like three years ago. so yeah. like, Fuck you. Like I've been with her since yeah, fun, like, way
1: back when she had black hair.
2: Yeah. Like. <laughs> But fighting with my, family, fighting with my yeah. family
1: yeah like i used great to have movies, the uh, i used to have the florence pew frown face as
2: my wallpaper back in the day back when midsummer <laughs> first came out <laughs> yeah uh similar to uh ready or not because i'm just thinking of like the final shot of like when you just get her face mine but mm-hmm. you get in ready or not we have a similar like great final shot when she's like just bloody there smoking a cigarette um but that's another pair duo to keep an eye out for um, who are ne- going to be doing Scream 5. So mm-hmm. hopefully they uh, they do a really great job with that, yeah. with that project. For sure. Rooting for them big time. I also love Scream, the Scream franchise. So I really hope that works out. <laughs> but uh, after talking all that dread, horror, let's get into something that's more heartwarming. Um, the Florida Project, even though there's some heartbreaking I actually say, it's not, i don't know i don't know if it's warm heartbreaking actually, it's definitely a hard it's still depressing <laughs> it's still depressing <laughs> this is A24, but, um, guys
0: it's still depressing 24 yeah. yeah yeah
2: um but that movie dude okay so at the time i was dating someone who was actually from tampa um and she's she was a big film you I mean, like i saw i saw i saw like moonlight with her i saw like a bunch we used to go to movies all the time um she was also a big like film buff and she was really looking forward to this movie for the reason alone of like you know how of how she kind of like relates to it is very relatable to her because she she kind of would see that every now and then going to disney and 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 all this stuff so i was excited for it i saw it and i thought it was just very similar to eighth grade i don't want to get into eighth grade too much but very similar to eighth grade it was just well, it just felt so authentic. I'm like, and and rightfully so, because a lot of the people they use in the movies were actual motel tenants. So it has that sort of authenticity, that kind of realistic feel to it. And there wasn't a moment where I was just like, where I wasn't being, where I wasn't moved. It was similar to No Nomadland. I don't know if you saw No mm-hmm. Nomadland, yeah. but like the entire time I was watching Nomadland, I wanted to fucking cry. Yeah, I just thought it was such a beautiful film. I was so in love with those characters. I thought everything about it was just so genuine, authentic, grounded, realistic. And I had not as emotional, but I had a similar situation watching The Florida Project. And just that ending of with her friend holding hands, running into Disneyland, I was like, I cannot wait to see what this guy does next. And yeah. that was Shawn, Sean was Baker. Sean Baker. Baker, yeah.
1: Have you guys
0: seen well, Tangerine? I think the Tangerine?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I saw Tangerine. Yeah, which was which was great. Very that was similar. the one that was on the iPhone,
0: right? Yep. Wasn't that yeah, shot on I, the iPhone? I think it was completely shot on iPhone. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. that was that was the big hook for Tangerine.
2: Yeah. Right. But uh but yeah, great film. Absolutely love it. Yep. Nick,
1: what did you think of the Florida Project? Because uh, if I can just before I go into mine, I want to quickly say that the Florida Project is—it's in the top five, I'm pretty sure. Let me check my rankings here. Yeah, I think you have—I think
0: you have it. It's uh, or no, I think it's just outside. The oh yeah, it line.
1: is number six. Yeah. Or no, it's number yeah. five. It is actually number five. It's oh, it is number five. It's okay, sandwiched yeah. between Ex Machina and Midsummer. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yep.
0: So the thing that—I mean—I think the thing that I love most about the Florida Project is kind of what Martin was saying is how real it feels. And a part of that goes into the people that they use in the film. But then even if I'm going to go back to how great Willem Dafoe is again, that's another movie where he just completely sinks into the character. And I don't see Willem Dafoe. I say, mm-hmm. I forget his, uh, his character's name, Bobby. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I see. And like, he just feels so fucking authentic. That it's it's just time. incredible. Yeah. You're from the whole time. And I forget who won the Oscar that year. But I think even you said it, Martin, that you really wanted to see him get an Oscar for that movie.
2: Well, for starters, it was only his second nomination, which is insane. That is yeah. insane. That is insane. And not just – give him one. They give him a nom- just, yeah, just not give just, him yeah, not just like second nomination, but you're talking about such a gap between Platoon and Florida Project. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. maybe like, what, three or four decades like fucking apart. Right. But um, and he got another one with uh, At Eternity's Gate, which I feel – that was like a – that was like a – a complimentary oscar yeah like but, oh like, hey good job yeah yeah that's like a leo job. with we're the revenant
1: type of nom or i guess yeah a winning you know well, well i with yeah. Leo winning yeah yeah
2: the, it, like leo winning was more about the bigger picture and everything that went on with how it, the, 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 was the three, three or
1: four other times he should have won
2: yeah exactly yeah, so same yeah. thing with scorsese they were yep. like finally here like it, it's <laughs> your time like take it for even though this part is fucking incredible yeah but um but yeah, I can't remember who won either. That was Best Actor, right? That was 20... 20- uh, yes, I actually don't know if he was going to be
0: up for supporting or if he was going to be... Uh, twenty
2: seven. Was that Eddie Redmayne for 2017? Was for, that oh The Theory of Everything? Mahershala Ali won I mean, that like, year for Moonlight. Oh, so it was supporting. It was supporting, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay.
0: Defoe, I think would have been supporting if he, if he got in.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, but, um, but yeah, I just... I mean... It's crazy to think that was only his second arm, but the guy's fucking incredible, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I love that movie. I mean, Nick keep keeps talking. I don't know if I cut you off or not, but
0: <laughs> no. And then the other thing I love too is is the use of color in that movie too. Yes, is like the purple. The purple just stands out so much. A lot and of a, pastels. A lot of pastels. And I'm a sucker for really good cinematography, and when you focus on specific colors, and mm-hmm. I just love the use of color in that movie. And then going back, like like you said, like the ending when everything is falling apart, and it's just this this rush of these two kids running to Disneyland and Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, and it kind of just like leaves you there to kind of like wonder what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. You can make the assumption as to what does happen next, but that's such a, it's like, it's magical. It's magical. It almost feels like a dream. Like it doesn't feel like it's actually
1: happening. I I interpret it as it was, it was her dreaming. That's what the way I yeah.
0: Well, that's that, that's, that's the thing. Like, like, do you like, did it actually happen? Did they actually do that? Or, or was it something that just, you went into her head as all this, as her life is falling apart around her and, Mm -hmm. I you know that's just one of the reasons why I love it. It's just how it ends, and that you know leaves you up for interpretation.
2: Yeah, and I think one of like one of the heartbreaking moments in that movie where I was just like, oh my god, which was like when we keep getting snippets of what's her name, Brooke. Well, her real name is Brooklyn, right? But what's her name? Yes. In in the movie, we keep getting snippets of her, like in the bathtub. Oh Mooney, you're thinking of Mooney is the little Mooney Mooney. Yeah, yeah. Mooney, like, uh, we keep getting snims of her in the bathtub, and, you know, it's, you don't really think much of it, and then we find out that she's actually in the bathtub because her mom is doing, like, escort shit and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I remember when, when, like, the person walks in, and kind of, like, you know, and then everything, because you, you assume that when she was taking pictures of her mom, you kind of assume what was going to happen, like, what, what the pictures were for, but I didn't put the two and two together of, like, why she was in the bathtub until, like, that scene happens where dirt biker skin, where um, where the guy kind of comes, walks into the bathroom. And I remember when that happened, I was just like, oh, my God. And right. it's so heartbreaking because it, it, cause you just imagine that that shit really does happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to eighth grade, like the scene where um, when the kid's, like, playing truth or dare with her in the backseat. And he's just such a fucking. He's just being such a fucking manipulative asshole. Right. And you're just like, and you you can just imagine like you know kids nowadays. I mean, I don't want to say like I'm a fucking saint. Obviously, like you know when we were younger as well too. But like we were all idiots back in the day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) These these situations that are just like you watch it and it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, you're like, that's so fucking true. Yeah, like we're like, not like, talking.
0: Like you like you buy it. You buy yeah, it. Yeah, we're
2: not talking about like a fictional sort of truth. We're talking about like real life. Like, yeah, like that's fucking true. Yeah. I think we would
1: be wrong to not point out that both Brooklyn Prince, who played Mooney, and Bria Venetti, i think is how you say her last name—those uh, mm-hmm. two. I think this is Bria's first film. I don't know if this is Brooklyn's first yeah. film, but Bria uh, was actually. I she believe was a, it was. She was a dancer. Wasn't she a singer? Oh, I, she was. Like, she a was stripper? a dancer. Yeah, I think she was a stripper. And she they, was. Yeah, and they oh. got her for this because of the source material. She was a, 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 I'm yes. assuming she was probably aspiring to be an actress in, in Hollywood. And and of course Sean found her and put her in the Florida project and she did great. And Brooklyn Pierce as a child actor did phenomenal. Like
2: t- she was incredible. T- yeah.
1: Child actors are something and I this seems so backwards, but if a child actor is not good in a film, I can't get behind it. You know, like you should you uh, think that you should give the, give the leeway to the kids, obviously but for some reason, like I'm, I think of a quiet place too. Both of those, both of those actors, I'm forgetting their name right now. Judah, Ju- Ju- Noah Jupe.
2: There's Noah, Noah... Jupe, and then something mineral
0: uh, with them. I, I need to, yeah. As we did the Quiet Place Two review, and, I'm, and I definitely wanted to get her.
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's so few of them too. That's right. why, like you see, like we saw no- Noah Jupe in the past two years was in obviously Quiet Place. Then he did Honey Boy. Then mm-hmm. he was in Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah. yeah, he was be a star. in the un. Yeah, he was oh, in yeah. the he was in the undoing the mm-hmm. HBO show, mm-hmm. um, obviously A Quiet Place too. So he's really splashed onto the scene, and yeah, I man, yeah. the kid's the kid's fucking incredible. And like, then really and is... then
0: you got uh, it's it's Millicent Simmons That's right. who yeah, is yeah. actually Chief. deaf, and, uh, and A Quiet Place Part Two, she. she You could argue she carries that movie, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she's fantastic,
1: yeah. But so I just wanted to quickly point out that I wanted to point out Brooklyn Prince and Bria Vannetti because those two are both also Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe again. We he should get there should be a Willem Dafoe uh, nomination for best actor or supporting actor and not give it to him every year because that's what they do at the Oscars. Just make a (laughs) make an award for him that's like dedicated to him, not give it to him each year and just call it what it
2: is: the Willem Dafoe. (laughs) No, and and to kind of just to add to how good his performance is it's like what you're saying about how that that one uh, how she was a dancer like you almost you almost feel like she she's playing it, it's almost like natural for her to kind of play this role and play some of those scenes and, and really kind of tune into I, I also would argue that she might have experienced it too yeah. that's what i'm saying like, like yeah. Yeah. first firsthand, yeah so she was kind of just really kind of I don't want to say she was being herself, but in a, in a sense, she kind of was. There were certain scenes where she could really tune into something that might have happened to her and right. really kind of really show the show and really allow the performance to kind of naturally take it. Whereas to William Dafoe, he literally, he's by no shape, way, shape or form. He's not a motel manager in Florida, but he just sinks into that fucking role. Mm-hmm. And like you said, how you're rooting for him. There's just moments where he's being like strict because of like motel policy or whatever, but you can just tell that this dude just has such a good heart. He wants and to do good really, by these people. Yeah, yeah, and and he genuinely cares about these people, and right, and he totally, cares about what he does. Yeah, yeah, and you totally buy it. Like, yeah, it's not you don't see William Defoe. You literally just see this. And just everything that's going around it, these little kids getting into trouble, breaking into these broken houses and and just, you know, fucking up. So, yeah, it's just such a beautiful film. And it's um, it's so, heartbreaking, but it's so beautiful. Was this, was the Floor Project, was it set in
1: Tampa or was it set in Orlando? I couldn't figure that out. I cause... think it was Orlando because yeah. it was by Disney World. Disney World. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it was Orlando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we probably have one more set, if I can say that, one more set. A pairing, if you will, yeah. of, of films.
0: Yes, there are. There is one more duo that I want to dive into, and that's the Safety brothers. Give me that Ooh. horn.
1: Oh, hang on one sec. Give it. Let me get it. Let me get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do two for both brothers. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, yeah. They also another group that like a duo that that kind of came out of nowhere. I saw a good time well after it came out, and was kind of. Blown away by it, and that's also kind of where I really got on board with Robert Pattinson as an actor, Mm -hmm. and being like, this dude has so much more to offer than I think what people are giving credit for. And you know, we've we've talked about Pattinson when we did stuff on like the Batman, how he's did the Twilight stuff, and then he really built his career doing all these indie films.
2: Yes, again, someone who's who made smart choices, made Mm -hmm. smart choices, and and he's a he's a pretty decent A twenty four alum because he got High Life, you got a good time, and you got Mm -hmm. Lighthouse. So he's very. Mojave, yes, yep. so yeah, guy, uh, He knows he's a. Uh, Wait, is that R- uh, no, Mojave? It's, it's
1: um, it's the one the, with the Guy Pierce, yeah, the Rover, Rover, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Rover, okay, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay,
2: yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, and then just with Good Time, that really to me like put put him on the map for me. And then also, Good Time itself was like we were saying with Ari Aster, how Hereditary sort of harkens back to like the seventies and eighties horror. Good Time sort of harkens back to like the Martin Scorsese Mean Street kind of days mm-hmm. with like those just seventies films that just. They just like immerse you into like the environment and where you are, and I was completely sucked in with it. I know Martin is a little mixed on some of the stuff about Good Time,
2: which no, you no, can kind of jump into. I like Good Time. I just don't think it's 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 just very slow. Yeah, and I think it's it kind of similar to Waves because you we start off with the bank robbery scene and everything's like super fast paced. It's like you're. Um, I don't want to say your, your classic Safety Brothers because they have a small sample size, even though that small sample size is incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it's that, that quick, you know, running mm-hmm. through the streets, we're cutting through malls, you know, your tents, Stressful. all this bullshit. Yes. Um, one second. I think this might be the food. <laughs> Hello? Deliver, deliver la oh, I'll be right down.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, I'll be right down. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck. Leave that in yeah yeah i'm definitely leaving that in
1: a few moments later
2: to go back to what i was saying it starts off like you know very frantic running through the streets a bank robbery everything and i think it just slows down significantly uh from like essentially from when he goes to rescue his brother yeah you know when he goes to the hospital and then the only thing that when nick says like i don't agree with stuff i just thought it was weird like he was having that relationship with like the 14 year old girl
1: Mm. Don't be confused. Yeah, it was like really, really. You're only gonna make things yeah. worse for me.
2: Yeah, it was it was a little <laughs> strange, but um, but but I think it, it's it's you know it's classic. It's it's tension and and you are engaged. And I think if a film does that, it's doing a good job. So um, but I thought I think it's a fine film. It's just not one that I, I would watch Uncut Gems like a gazillion times over before I kind of go back and watch a good time. To be honest, I think the Safdie brothers do a great job of putting
1: us in the day in the life of a degenerate. Like that is like their whole Mm -hmm. shtick is Mm -hmm. these people are real, they're raw, they're pretty terrible. They're not heroes. They're I I mean you could argue that they're more of like antagonists of their own story. And or anti-heroes. In the sense you
2: do kind of feel for them a little bit. You know, this guy just wants to get his brother out. Yeah. Which is Josh, right? Josh Safety, is that correct?
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is Josh. Mm
2: Yeah. Yeah. And to go back and to go to Uncut Gems, you know, the guy, fucking Adam Sandler's character, makes all the t- all the wrong moves, all the wrong decisions. But every single time he he made a wrong decision, I'm just like, bro, like I just want to go into the movie and be like, stop. Like, do you, do you think that I'm, has
1: anything to do with your preconceived notions of Adam Sandler? Like, you like him as an actor, and you think. Man, I wish he would just do right. Like he's so close to just doing right, but he cannot stop himself from doing I know. the wrong that's thing. That's
0: actually a good. Uh, that's a, good a analogy. Great yeah. way. That's a great way yeah. of putting it.
2: And I don't know if maybe, like maybe it's it's rooted into my mind because I kind of gave up on Adam Sandler movies. I think after Pixels. Yeah. I oh, I was. I was waiting. When I, I think I
0: was grown ups too. Chuck and Larry, maybe. <laughs> or I didn't or, mind or, Chuck and Larry. I thought or, I was okay. Or Zohan, maybe. I thought the last like really fun entertaining movie he made was click. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, it's just all gone of gone downhill. It's
2: been, yeah. And then he made all the terrible Netflix movies, but oh. I think, um, Sohan was trash, but I think pixels, there was a moment where I was like, I am so over this humor, mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Adam yeah. Sandler human. It's so it's, it's over. Like do like stop doing it. And, um, and then the cobbler was just, I hated that movie. For so for so many reasons. And like, that movie is fucking racist. Yeah. Like there are so many and not just that, but like like I wanna say like in a way kind of sexist and misogynistic and all like all the right, wrong things that you can possibly do, I think that movie does. And I'm just like I, I couldn't believe like how much I did not like that movie. Yeah. But um but I think he is incredible in um in in Uncut Gems. I know Should've people got a Should've well, gotten, I was um, I was about to say that I know a lot, I don't disagree with it. However, I think the competition that year was just really tough. Yeah, 20, 2019 was, a, tough was year. a great year. It strong. was really really yeah. tough. So I think even though I would have loved it if you got a nom, I think every other person I kind of agree with. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, actually, that got, they, that got nominated. I it, think yeah. they they just probably performed just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think uncut gems. I think it turned out in terms of 2019 was like my top three film of the year mm-hmm. um i just that i just fucking love that movie dude and it was like yeah it was just fucking anxiety central the entire time you're watching it like we said it's such fast you have to like f- snort, yeah. a, going on. You just
1: snort a line of adderall before you watch uncut gems <laughs> to like fully, yeah, and then, fully true, appreciate the movie true. <laughs> yeah. and i
2: and i think um there was a great movie theater reaction moment, like when, when he finally gets the money, you know, to pay off his brother in law or whatever, and Kevin Garnett comes in. And they're just like talking. He's like, you know, I believe in you. You know, you're my guy. And then he goes, "Let's bet on it. Let's bet all of it." And when oh, he no. says that, you, the entire yeah, the entire hey, theater, one, bro. they're like, "Whoa!" Like you just <laughs> yeah. this is just what like, we do, KG. This is doing? what we do. Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> just like like what are you doing, bro? Like you're you're so rooting for this guy to just like stop fucking up, but he just keeps doing yeah. keeps doing it to the point to when he gets killed. When I first saw it. I, it literally like affected me. I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, I yeah. was like, oh my god!" Like, I could, I couldn't believe that he actually got killed, and I was in such denial for like the rest of the movie. Like when the camera is, is zooming in on him, I was literally expecting him to wake up. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be maybe like a like a Fight Club situation where he got shot in the face and he was fine. Yeah, yeah. But I was waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, and it didn't happen. And I was sad. Like I was genuinely sad because I didn't want this guy to die. But he actually did. And, and it really like and I left that movie theater like I, I loved it, but like I was I was sad that he it, well
0: the, the ending the ending is a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And, and I think it's also too with Good Time and Uncut Gems, both characters like Connie and Howard, they're idiots. Mm-hmm. Like they're just idiots. And mm-hmm. but I, I love what you said too, Chris. No movie focuses on characters like that but for whatever reason the safety brothers just love telling stories about these types of people (laughs) at like Mm -hmm. at like the forefront yeah yeah and and with uncut gems man martin i was in the same boat like when he got shot i was like i i was upset and when you go back and you watch the movie, it makes sense. He probably should have gotten shot halfway through. You know Bro, what I mean? he, he deserved it. Like, in, yeah, in reality, yeah. he 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 really deserved but you, it. But you still felt for him, and I think that that's why the movie is as great as it is because mm-hmm. you feel for this character who you're supposed to absolutely despise.
2: Yeah, I just want to. That's a hundred percent the way yeah. of putting it. I want to
1: echo both of what you guys said. I completely agree on both fronts with "Good Time" and "Uncut Gems." The only part that I'll include, and I think you guys can both agree, uh, two words: Julia Fox yes
2: goodness Woo! gracious smoke show
0: goodness
1: like her course. first film and damn did she come onto the scene in, in a in a way in a
0: way if i could say yeah yeah. yeah i mean not only is she beautiful she was also very good in the movie yes too. yeah she All, was really good yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's just, it's again it's because i i feel um like julia fox was that sort of piece of was that sort of character in the movie that was in a way sort of re- supposed to like represent us because even though this guy is just such a piece of shit, we still care for him you know like and it's mm-hmm. just like a really great moment like when she like gets his name tattooed on her ass what, and he's just crying what do like, you think i don't deserve it i don't deserve it what do you think it's like her... you don't bro you fucking don't but no. you're yeah. still getting it yeah what do you think her what is the
1: parallel there what is her affection towards towards him howard because she is, for all, all intents and oh. purposes, uh, a smoke show that could literally get anybody she wants. Way yet, out of his league, but yeah. yet she still sticks around and kind of does what he wants, even after everything that
0: he's done to her. Dude, man, that's that's a great question. I've actually never really thought about that before. Yeah, like, I know. Like, what I mean. like what about Howard just keeps her coming back? Because right. like they have that really great like screaming fight in the street have Been with the, the week after. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and she decided to but go still, after him instead. The weekend performs. Excuse me. The weekend performs the morning, which is like my top three favorite weekend songs. So that was <laughs> that was also really nice for me. I'm like, oh, we can load this song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, I think it's also in a way kind of a harnessing back to you know like the relationship in Mitsumara. Like I don't want to say it's a twenty four, but it's again it's just that sort of notion of like just like you know just toxic relationships and how they're real and how they happen. And this is just again, yeah. You, how many times do you just see someone with someone and you're just like why are you with them right you know, like doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl just not necessarily because of looks or w- age whatever it's just like you shouldn't be with that person however they are and mm-hmm. it's just like a f- unfortunately just you know it, it's it's a real thing and, yeah. and i think yeah. it's it, it sort of it sort of adds to that in a way too can i round so, out our safety yeah. brothers talk with so i
1: have good time at number 11 sandwich between waves mm-hmm. and Lady Bird. And I have Uncut Gems sandwiched – I'm sorry, I have Uncut Gems set at number eight, sandwiched between Enemy at number seven, and The Witch at number nine.
2: You have Enemy at seven? That's interesting. I didn't think yeah. um, you would have it that high. It was really funny, too, because I was watching a rival the other day, and doesn't he do like the exact same shot in Enemy with the spider when, he, yes. when they're dreaming and the mm-hmm. spider's in the corner? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. The exact same yeah. Same yeah. The,
0: this, this the same thing happens in, in Arrival when she has the dream about yeah. the alien being in the room. That's like that's straight out of Enemy. Yeah. It like the, yeah. And yeah.
2: Uh, I think that's the only. I mean, aside from that shit, garbage that is known as, um, I forgot the name already. What's the Netflix movie with Ryan Reynolds that he did? Uh, oh, Oh, uh, Six Hundred Grand. Yeah. <laughs> aside from you know the garbage <laughs> that Six Hundred Grand, I think that was the only other movie Enemy where I. Where Shoshana, where I saw her as an actress, mm-hmm. you know from Tarantino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah from Gloria Bastards*. Isn't yeah. she like, the, isn't she like his his girlfriend or mistress or whatever in in that movie? Yes, yeah, she is essentially. I think so a, yeah,
1: she's the one that's kind of going back and forth on. I think at one point in the film, she's the one who like notices first that this may not be the same person, if I'm not mistaken. It
2: wasn't no, I because wasn't he okay? So it was her, and then it was the pregnant one. The that's one that, right. Yes. The, yeah. It was a pregnant one, I believe, because I haven't seen Enemy in a while. But I remember it's been a long um, time for me too. Since the, my A twenty four watch through was the last time I seen see. Yeah, it, yeah I haven't seen a in a year A Year and a half. Yeah. Ago. So, but but again, kind of what I was saying before of like being fair. Even though I love Denis Villeneuve and I think the man is just like Dune, inc- Dune. like incredible. Yeah. Like Enemy is a movie that I wasn't crazy about mm-hmm. when when I first. When I first, I think everything else that I've seen, I love. Um, but Enemy is it's that one that just doesn't. Really work for me, Chris Stuckman. I don't know if you guys like or are
1: familiar with him on YouTube. He does a really. Oh, I watch great, him all the time. Yeah, yeah. sounds familiar. I, <laughs> listen, I I know it's kind of polarizing, but I really respect his opinion in the in the movie re- review world. Even though he comes really up in, good. on YouTube, uh, I know yeah. some people don't like him for whatever reason. But he had a great. He has like a, a forty minute long video essay on Enemy and why he believes that it's like criminally un- overlooked. And I I remember watching. I remember watching Enemy and really liking, it and then watching that video essay and being like, dude. I totally agree. I was like, I was like, it's like I saw the light
2: all of a sudden. It was like, I'm totally on board for this. So yeah, right. Well, well, I feel like it's that type of movie. It's a type of movie that obviously has a certain like message behind it. And it is in a way kind of very metaphorical, Mm -hmm. but it is like, that is a type of movie that you kind of want to break down and really study, you know? And, um, and also one thing that sticks out to me about enemies, just the color. It's very mm-hmm. yellow, like very I just, yellow, yeah. I just, Tan. you know, you see that movie, yeah, you see that movie, and I just get all these like different yellowish hues about it, and um, and, and yeah, obviously Jake Hall is like one of my favorite actors, like ever, yeah, 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 yeah yep. but he's in my yeah. top ten to for sure, so. Anything? I know they have something else coming up. I believe they said Denis Villeneuve and I think yeah,
0: I think they are they are working on something. I don't know right. we don't know what it is yet, but obviously Denis' his hands full with Dune, mm-hmm. and then they're doing a spinoff show for HBO Max as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so and we'll,
0: see, we'll we'll see what happens once Dune comes out if it's if it's this massive hit that we all hope it is and i a really, sequel.
2: I'm really ho- I'm like I'm torn because I'm I really want to be financially successful because. I mean, Nick and I talk about this all the time. Even though Blade Runner twenty forty nine was fucking incredible, it financially didn't make too much money, mm-hmm. you know. And Hollywood is a very cutthroat business. It is like, what have you done for me lately? And it, on paper, if you have Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Dune, two big, massive budget films that financially don't do well, then it is. I, I do think it's going to hurt a little bit in whatever he wants to do moving forward. However, I think he is such like. Prisoners is like one of the greatest films in the past decade. Mm -hmm. And that was not by any means a big budget movie. So I think he'll be fine, but I'm just rooting for him to have more like, you know, I just want him to do whatever he wants, like anything that he wants to do. Like, I just think that you guys should, he should be able to do it. So I'm hoping that it really is financially successful. So it doesn't, you know, possibly hurt any chances of anything he may want to do. Mm hmm.
0: I feel you. I feel you. All right. Uh, I want to double back to Uncut Gems real quick. The last thing I'll say is we were talking about how A24 has uh, a lot of authenticity. And I think with, oh my God, Julia Fox, um, she really brings authenticity to that movie. But also too, Kevin Garnett's a really solid actor <laughs> yeah. for, for for playing himself. Like I really like, for whatever reason, him being in the movie, his presence also just added to, to the, the realism of the film and then we, we said it before Lakeith stanfield no one,
2: another one another one who's in my top 10 Yeah. just making all of right fucking really
0: really great and incredible, just dude i fits fucking right love, into this movie i
2: love that man so much i like anything that guy does i'm going to go watch but uh but yeah i'm with you and again authenticity the movie is very fast paced and there's a lot of tension and there's just anxiety but i feel like that in a way is the diamond district personified Mm-hmm, oh, you know. well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because we have a
0: friend whose dad worked in the Diamond District and, you know, our friend got, a, you know, a look at this firsthand and said that that movie is so fucking authentic in terms of the type of people that are there, the exchanges, how they're made, like that is to a T exactly what the Diamond District is. So if you want to know what the Diamond District in New York is like, watch Uncut Gems. Yeah, I should yeah. have
1: asked you guys so, that because you guys are, you know, you're in the city, essentially, I you should go to it a bunch. I was, I was wondering how that actually felt, like if that was authentic. And I'm glad you guys said that.
2: Yeah. It's yeah, it, pitch perfect. It 100, 100% does. Yeah. Especially yeah. like in that area, um, it's not as, like, it's not necessarily like that area is crazy, but it's the city. It's New York mm-hmm. City. There's just movement, sound, like nonstop. It's just, you know, like it is the city that never sleeps. Like when, when it comes to food, you are so fucking spoiled in New York City <laughs> because you can get an incredible meal any time of the day.
1: Yeah. Any yeah. time
2: yeah. of the day. If you're hammered and you want like an incredible slice of pizza, you can do it. If you want like a fine dining experience, you can fucking do it. Like there's literally so much to do. And it's just that that just movement, like movement, movement. that's nonstop. Living that in yeah. like- living
1: in St. Louis, all my options are right now are Taco Bell and a gas station. <laughs> like oh, right, right now, <laughs> now it's 8 30. I could I could probably go get food maybe two or three places
2: oh really <laughs> that's, yeah. that's crazy because yep. yep. even by because like we're we're right across from new york city we're right across the river so door like we can take the train in it's literally 20 minutes door to door but we're actually in jersey city and even here well i guess it's you know i guess it's different everywhere but like in it's where we are like there's so many food options you know you can yeah, literally, yeah. you pull up uber Eats. there's just a a fucking <laughs> list of shit that you can, that you can yeah. yeah yeah definitely spoiled that's for sure yeah when it comes to food the Tri-State area probably has the best pizza in the country, I would say. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I'm going to, uh, you know, sorry, not to sidebar too quickly off A- A24, but
1: I'll be in the city in, for New York Comic Con in the middle of October. So I'm, I'm oh, excited New to get some way, New York, some New York Bro, food we'll, in general, we'll especially pizza. Yes, we need to. Yeah, we'll yeah. Definitely we
0: meet definitely up, have you know. to meet up for sure. Bro,
2: we got to take you to Lincoln. You're I want to go to this Adobe Theater you guys keep talking ooh, about. Yeah. No, not the Adobe Theater, the IMAX. Well, oh, the IMAX. Good too, okay. but the IMAX. It's one of the biggest in the country, and mm-hmm. I think it's this it the biggest the, you you're so. It's never nothing is ever the same after you experience that movie theater. No, like man. you go to any other IMAX screen and it's just like it's pathetic. <laughs> like I go to it and I'm like, this is pathetic. Put me back in fucking Lincoln Square. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah. What day is the con? Uh, oh, that's my brother's birthday weekend. That's uh it's like October yeah. 14th
0: or 15th something like that.
2: Oh, it's the 15th? Yeah, that that was 7th.
0: Yeah. Um, I was actually trying to uh, see what was coming out around that time that would be like worth going to see like in IMAX.
2: Probably like Shinchi well, no,
0: she- oh. uh... well, if if it is, if it is that October 15th weekend, it's uh, Halloween Kills.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I'd
0: love to go see that for sure, especially in I that environment. Sworn-
1: isn't shang chi or shang chi comes out at the beginning of that month right
2: the, uh,
1: that's that's uh labor day labor day weekend yeah yeah mm-hmm. Is when it drops <sighs> nick you're gonna have it's to cut all time this time. out all of yeah, us yeah no new is york comic plans. con is oh that's <laughs> fine it's totally fine totally <laughs>
2: fine new york comic con is the seventh it is oh, okay the seventh. oh it's the seventh well that's why i was saying i couldn't go to comic con because my brother's birthday weekend so i don't actually i don't even know if i'll be in town what but if i am then we'll definitely meet up for sure okay oh we got we got no time to die that weekend oh nice Is it that weekend? Holy shit. Yeah, October eighth. Oof. All right. Well, uh anything else we want to talk about A twenty four? I mean Well, say is
0: there is there anything else we want to say about Good Time or Uncut Jams before we move on? Watch it if you haven't. Yeah. If you haven't
1: seen it, just you know, take a what's what's a pill that calms you down? Because whatever that is, take it before you watch either one of
2: these I saw I actually saw an incredible tweet. Um Like the uh this was last year, but you know how like 2020 was so crazy. Someone tweeted I was like, 2020 is so crazy that I had to watch Uncut Gems to relax. (laughs) And I was fucking (laughs) dying. That is that is gold. But uh yeah, definitely watch it, watch that movie if you haven't. And um and I know people were just like they didn't want to watch they were just thought like, oh Adam Sandler, he can't act. That's so fucking stupid. Like, don't think that they it's whatever you think of.
1: It's easier to go from comedy to
0: drama than drama to comedy.
2: Yeah, whatever oh, you mean, sure. think of Adam Sandler, just throw it out the window and watch the movie. It is incredible. Yeah, no, he's, he's a fantastic actor.
0: Uh, but then before we move on, Chris, I know you had a few more movies that you wanted to list. Oh, for. my gosh. Yeah, There are just, just just some that you wanted to make
1: mention. Of. I'm literally just going to name off a couple that I really, really like. So just bear with me and I'll kind of give you my rank as you go. If you care if you've cared at all about where my rank <laughs> is in these, it kind of I feel like it perfectly illustrates what I thought about the film. But again, anything before like 60 as a movie worth checking out. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really talk about The Witch very much, but I think that's one worth mentioning. Uh, Lady Bird, First Cow, A Most Violent Year, Room, Brie Larson, won her an Academy mm-hmm. Award, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. First Reform, Mid-90s, uh, 20th Century Women, I think is one that is often criminally overlooked in the A24. I America haven't B. seen
2: that one. Really I good. I haven't seen that one. I think this, yeah.
1: this should be shown in every single health education classroom from, from here forward. Like It truly uh, it gives a perspective of young women that I don't think a lot of movies do, and I think that's important. So.
2: You can also say that for eighth grade too, but eighth grade yeah. is more of like a modern, it's more like modern day. De- it's like, it's more teenager in today's world mm-hmm. with like phones and all this bullshit. Yeah. But it just happens to follow a girl. Right. So, you know, like, again, in a way, I kind of um, agree with that too. Comes at night, of course, another yeah.
1: Trey Schultz joint. Uh, you got uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Jonathan Majors is getting a ton of love right now because of uh, Kang. Because but, of, yeah. And he's yeah. he's amazing in this movie. Uh, the movie's incredible. Yeah. yeah, a ghost story. We talked about eighth grade. One that I think a lot of people don't talk about. They should. A killing. Uh, was it a killing of a sacred? Oh, deer. killing of a
2: sacred reindeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Killing a sacred deer. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. good.
1: Really, really interesting story. The gentleman, uh, the kid who eats the spaghetti. I'm forgetting his name now. It's 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 Bar- Barry Barry Keegan. That's right. Barry Keegan. Eternal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in that. Movie. Yeah. He's
2: he was in Tenant. I'm not Tenant. Sorry. He was in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah. Be yeah no. He's a
0: He'll be Green, Green Knight. Yep.
2: Yeah, he was in wasn't he in Dark Knight Rises? Wait, wasn't no, he, in... he's, he No, he's no, he's going to be in the Batman. Oh, he's going right. to in the Batman, right. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's another one who's like kind of flying under the radar making making great decisions. I like Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh but I did not like The Lobster. I the Thank Lobster you. was yes. like that is my hot take <laughs> yeah. in this list is that I did not like The Lobster. <laughs> no, I didn't like The Lobster either. No. Yeah. Yep. It was that was way that was just like way too much. It was just like, yeah. what's his Rome, what's his name? Uh Romanpa What's it It's a, a Yorg,
1: yorgis, Yorg, yorgis I, I can Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He
2: also did uh, The Favourite. <laughs> yep, yep. With uh, Enzo yes. and all of them, yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I like him as a director, I think it's good, but I just thought the lobster was a little too odd. He has talent but for it, me. That is, yeah, he is
1: very much like, what's what's the theme here, you know? Let me run yeah. my beard really Yes, he, he has a very unique voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Spectacular Now. That's kind of like one of their first films at A24, but Miles Dude, Teller is so good in that movie.
2: I absolutely adore that movie. Yep. I think Shailene Willey and Miles Teller in that yep. movie are incredible. It is so charming. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blindsided when she got hit by a car. I was like, Wait, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? <laughs> but uh, but I absolutely love that movie. It's I think it's like a really good sort of like – I want to say like – in a way like a modern day kind of like romance Mm -hmm. you know i don't really consider it like a rom-com but it but it's just like you know these two young people like the sex that they're having is so like it's just like charming and fun to watch like should we take our clothes off yeah i think that movie is incredible it's a really good movie that's a that's a good call i love that movie Mm -hmm. uh i will say really quickly uh i would also take
1: my clothes off and follow uh, scarlett johansson into whatever (laughs) van that she has from under the skin
2: like, I don't no, care if she's God. a robot or an alien. Holy shit. I forgot that understand was a 24. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. another one that has great sound. And do, do you guys remember, like... the,
1: do you remember the part in the movie where she's in the van? She's going with random people. Apparently, that was not scripted. She literally was just going up to random people on the street in a van and talking to them, trying to pick really? them up. I feel
2: like I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that was Actually, really cool. I saw that uh, because that takes place in New York, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I actually saw it in a theater in New York City. And I remember, cause there was a lot of buzz around that movie. And I remember like when when the scenes were going on, I remember like people talking about that, of how like she was going around like s- like streets near here, like doing that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just kind of speed
1: round a couple of these, but stop me if you guys want to talk about any of them. We got American Honey, like we talked about earlier, really good with Shia LaBeouf. We've got Green Room, another really overlooked A24. Love well, it. I don't know if it's overlooked I anymore. I think if you love A24, you also probably love Green Room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, uh, Patrick and that's
2: got that Scott Steven Stills, the talent from Scott Pilgrim. That's right. Yes, it does. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> have you guys seen Boy State, the documentary? I have no, but I, no. no
0: but I want to. I heard it's
1: good. Very good. Yeah, I have it up here at number 31. Uh we talked about Krisha Locke with Tom Hardy, is another really good one. Oh, yeah, wow, that's
2: A24? That's
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, one of the earlier films. What was that, 2013 was it? 2013, it is 2013, 2012? yeah. Stephen Knight oh, was shit. the director. Yeah. And yeah, a young Tom Holland as well as his kid. If you remember on the phone, he's talking to Tom Holland.
0: Oh, oh I didn't know that. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. So wow, that's that's another really good one I think that gets overlooked. I'm just going to say a couple more here. We've got uh, The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. I love every single thing that Logan Lerman is in. Absolutely love. i actually haven't seen that movie yeah it's got ellie fanning in it a young ellie fanning okay uh let's see here we've got uh the one with did you like did you like hunters the show on amazon i don't think i've seen it yet but i i want to see it because of logan
2: okay it's it's got al
1: pacino in it as well correct
2: yeah yeah i'm i'm not a i feel like that show just has an identity crisis it does not know what it wants to be it's it's a lot of different things yeah yeah Yeah. and it's it's just like confused but uh but yeah check it out Let know what you think on the Rocks,
1: a newer A twenty four film with uh, it's got I haven't Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, really good. Yeah, and Sofia yeah. Coppola. Yep. I
2: really want to see it too, especially because you know, I mean, it's 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 Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray again. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you, like so? I I've been mean to to fucking watch that.
1: Yeah, uh, the End of Tour. That's the one with uh, Jason Segel and oh, Jesse Jason Segel.
0: Uh, yeah, yep.
1: that's another really good one. Uh, and then I'll I'll just round out the last two here: Swiss Army Man. Of course, as another really famous, mm-hmm. yeah, or uh, well, uh, not famous, but a uh, fun one that
2: people love from twenty. Another one who literally did all the right fucking moves, Paul Dano, yep. that guy, mm-hmm. yeah, incredible, incredible. What does he say
1: in the Batman trailer? He who, like, the, the monologue, no, he's there. like, if
2: you are justice, do not lie, like, something, something, blind eye, yes, like, if you are, oh, I'm so excited yeah, about him being like the Riddler, yeah. I yeah, cannot that, wait. I cannot wait. It's yeah. really funny too, because Nick and I always talk about how the Batman feels like an 824 movie. Like the yep. cast feels like something out of 824. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then the last one that I'll say is high life. I think that's a one that I, it's kind of like the final tier before
2: things get a little murky in the A twenty four filmography.
1: Right. Um, that's a good I'm a little
2: one. mixed on, I'm a little mixed on high life because I do again, but it, it's, it kind of goes back to everything we've been saying. That is a straight up like kind of our house movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is like, it is a director's vision. And like, and I mean, it's just a sh- Patterson likes to get weird. <laughs> yeah. Yes he, does. He, loves, <laughs> like, he loves to get he weird. He loves to get yeah. weird. And I so my he gets, money.
1: Let's do whatever. Yeah, yeah. He
2: gets weird, man. And, uh, and there were moments that, that I enjoyed, but overall, I just, I, I couldn't really, um, I couldn't really attach to it too much. I'm sorry. I had a couple more that I want to say. Sorry. Bear with me. I, there are just so many no, that I want ahead. to talk about. Dude, uh, keep,
1: keep going, man. Spring Breakers. That's the one that I feel like people do not talk Dude, about. I
2: <laughs> love Spring. Actually, I remember when I first saw it, I was so mad that selena gomez didn't show her tits (laughs) i was just like a young immature like whatever but i I thought this movie was going to be like this like raunchy this was gonna be like a like a sexy like film or whatever it was gonna be a bunch of nudity and sex nope and then selena gomez is crying and goes home and i was like what the fuck is this but it's a great movie it it really is and it's fun man it's just like james franklin movie it's just so much fun i think if you were to you know
1: ask 100 a24 fans what is what is your favorite? And what is your least favorite? The two answers you would probably get the most are Spring Breakers and The Lobster, and they'll say it for both. They'll say it for some will say it's their favorite, some will say it's their least favorite, and vice versa.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really? I know some
1: people. I know some people that hate Spring Breakers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say Disaster Artist needs to be talked
2: about. Of course, it's another Disaster illegal... Artist is incredible. So good. Yeah. it's really unfortunate all the stuff that's coming out with like oh uh, with with Franco, yeah, with yeah. Franco, and yep. well that one the one girl. She was not, yeah. you know. She talked about that there was some shit going on behind that the scenes, sucks. but right. but uh, but the movie itself is incredible. It's a really, yes. really great film. Really good
0: movie.
1: Here's one that I don't know if you guys have seen, and it's kind of middling, but I just really enjoyed it because of the acting. Mississippi Grind, Ryan yes, Reynolds, of and course, Ben Mendelsohn. They yeah, they stopped yeah, that St. Louis was one
2: point in the movie which I really liked. <laughs>
1: yeah. what year?
2: What year was that? Was that 2016? That was that was That was early. 15, oh, that was early. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, up yep. oh, by a year.
1: Fuck. Yep. So that was a really fun one. I liked that one a lot. And then, okay, last one I'm going to say. This is literally the last one I'm going to say. Never going down. I, I, never going back, excuse me. This is from 2018. It's, it's got a couple of no-namers, if I'm being honest. Uh, Mia Mitchell and Camilla Monroe. There's not really mm-hmm. the directing by Augustine Fizzle for Rizzle. I don't I don't recognize any of these names. I don't recognize any of the actors or actresses in this film. But it's just a really fun kind of turn your brain off and live a life of these two girls, you know, type of film. It's these two girls who are just cool. trying to earn some money to go on spring break, essentially. And it's just it's really oh, also, fun and
2: charming. Definitely, definitely I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll name I'll just say one, um, under the Silver Lake. Didn't like it. I'll just throw it Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, my, that's, 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 that's one that's take. no that's one that's very like polarizing. I think that's another movie that's very like especially after coming off of um It follows. I mm-hmm. think there was a kind of like a lot of wait was that that was after It Follows, right? That was after it follows, yeah. Yeah. Um I think there was a lot of um the only reason I saw the movie was because of It Follows. And I think there was a lot of kind of like similar feelings from a lot of people going into that movie. But I remember it was very polarizing. But I actually like I didn't mind it. I didn't I did enjoy it a little bit. But again, it's not probably one that I want to go back and that I really care. I would there would be so many more A twenty four movies I would go back and rewatch before that one. Can I ask you guys before we round For this sure. this talk out of A twenty four? What is your? Yeah. I
1: told you, you guys my favorite was Hereditary. Um, uh-huh. What is your favorite A24 movie?
2: Probably Ex Machina. Yeah, I would probably say Ex Machina as well. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes that, sense. Like
0: that was one of those. That was one of those movies that just completely. Like and I think even even you said too, Chris. That was the first one you saw for A24, and you're mm-hmm. like, "What is this studio? I need to I need to see mm-hmm. more." Yeah. Right. And that was just again that that's one of those movies where. It comes along, you don't expect it to knock you on your on your ass, and it just does. And it feel like it almost opens up a whole new world of just like what movies can be. Sure, that's why. And I
2: love. and it's probably like one of the best examples at what you can do with like such a small budget. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, granted, it was like around like I, I believe it was like around twenty five million. So that's not the smallest of budgets, but like they literally used like their resources to like the best that they possibly could. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it won an Oscar for best visual effects, I believe. Yeah, I think it did. Yes, yeah. They I didn't it win the Oscar for best. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Great movie.
0: All right, so that was our massively <laughs> long talk on some of our favorite films from A twenty four. But it, I mean, it, it was fun, man. I love, mm-hmm. I love talking about these movies and breaking them down. It's an absolute. We blast. could have kept going, probably.
2: We absolutely could have got going. There's so
0: many more movies that we could have easily touched on.
2: Well, when we do Green Knight, we can maybe do like a part two, A24, if there's other (laughs) movies that we want to discuss. If we got the time, yeah. Yeah, we want to discuss. (laughs) uh
0: Uh, But the one thing that I kind of wanted to go into a little bit just to touch on was, and this is funny that this dropped right before we did this, was A24 was trying to sell. I think they were looking to sell to Apple, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we were really kind of upset about this because the worry whenever this kind of stuff happens with big corporations, gobbling these smaller ones is that a 24 is going to lose its integrity yeah. and lose what makes it special and why, you know, we love it so much. Corporate and oversight
1: was is just a like, thing. nah,
0: no.
2: it's never a good thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and again, like you had just said,
1: the the beauty of a 24 is that they are kind of their own, they're there. There's not too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say, you know, you've got, I, I, we were talking about it before the show. We're not really sure who's the the CEO or who's in charge of a 24, But I think the fact that they're allowing their directors and their film, you know, producers, everyone, complete creative control is something that you do not see at, I would say, almost any other studio outside of maybe like Neon, like you said, or Blumhouse, maybe like the smaller ones absolutely let that happen. And I think they're better for it. But the Amazons of the world, Disney, Fox, uh, you know, all of those, there are definitely you've got 16 people ahead of you if you want to make a movie.
2: Right. I would say like like we were saying, Netflix definitely does allow that directors to do whatever they want. However, I feel like A24 more so has this really good scouts and they have a really good like I don't know if it's a team or whatever who can pick ah. out these projects uh-huh. and think like, you know what? This can be good. Like, let's let's invest a little bit of money into this and let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the a whereas Netflix is like it's more like notoriety, like more familiarity, like, oh, you're a name. Here's a bunch of money, do whatever you want. Well, that's what it is. It's all about big names. Exactly. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah. 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 So I
1: think about people like Ari Aster, you know, Robert Eggers, um, T- uh, Trey Edward Schultz. I'm um, trying to think of who else off the top of my head here. Sa- Sa- Safety Brothers. Safety Brothers. Yeah. Of course, we just talked about them. Um, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, who else? There's a couple of, I mean, uh, Greta Gerwig. I mean, she's in there. We've got Bo Burnham yeah. has a movie in, in this filmography. Yeah. Hell yeah. So many different, like, unique voices that may have never or it probably would have gone the long way around to get an opportunity had it not been for a
2: 24 and then but then every now and then you have your your like for example claire denis who did high life Mm -hmm. you do have every now and then like that one sort of like i don't want i don't want to say veteran but that sort of like well-known name in like the cinema world because i think if you go to like a casual movie fan they probably won't know claire denis but like if you were smart like us you you would you you kind of know her her background and and her sort of a like where like everything that she's done in the past and all the great films that she's done so i do think it's it's a very nice blend but more so finding like these sort of um kind of like younger not not younger but these like talents that are going Fresh under voices. the radar yes exactly mhm for sure uh, all
0: right, so before we sort of wrap this all up, uh, I guess it's a good time to mention The Green Knight. Yes. <laughs> the, green, the Green Knight, we're actually going to collab with, uh, with you guys next week. That's right. When we do an official review for it. But before we get to that, I guess I'll just kind of start off by saying that my expectations for this are sky high. When this second trailer dropped, I had the same feeling watching it as I did Blade Runner 2049, just with the imagery and the music and just everything about it. I still don't know what to completely expect with this movie, but I feel like it's going to be an insane journey. It's got a sick cast, mm-hmm. and I cannot fucking wait for it.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I'm. Uh, I always say, put Sean Harris in everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> Sean Harris so much. Yeah. yeah, That guy's got like one of the most perfect villain voices in the world. He does. I
1: think I, I would say the same thing about Joel Edgerton. I think he. I love every single thing that he's ever done. So everything from the Joel Warrior, Edgerton,
2: man, comes at night and.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and even
2: his directorial debut with the gift, I thought was like I thought the gift was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it it was the gift, right? Yeah, the gift. Yeah, with Jason Bateman. That's Mm -hmm. yeah, that movie. That movie was that's another one that's fucking chilling. That when he's watching back what he recorded, I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but when he's watching, Uh, I have not seen it. No, have you seen it, Chris? I have not. No. Oh, dude, you got to check it out. I'm not going to say it then. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, like, don't spoil uh, you know what I just yeah, realized? Really, really this,
1: this, I, feel, I feel terrible just now realizing this, especially us talking about Ex Machina as much as we have. I can't believe that Alicia Van, Canter, Van Cantor is in this film, and I didn't realize it, in, in Green Knight.
2: Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had yeah, no yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's, a well, well, that's what surprise. I mean.
0: Like just, just, just like the cast that, and I think it's like all these characters are different people that Dev Patel is going to encounter on his journey but I just love just who they've picked for, for these roles. It's just, mm-hmm. it's awesome. And, a, yeah. and that's, story, where, that's one of the
1: things I'm looking forward to the most. The sto- a story that we've heard a hundred million times at this point, the, the Knights mm-hmm. of the Round Table, getting it from another perspective. Cause have you guys seen that video that A twenty four put out of basically describing each character that's going to be in the film and their connection yes. with each other. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. And I love the fact that they're, yeah. they're kind of highlighting a character that has been in the tale all the time, like in every single tale of Knights of the Round Table and this mm-hmm. tale that apparently only has one copy of it in the world that's based around this right. Baldwin character is so cool. And I think that David Lowry is going to probably knock it out of the park. I, I have absolutely no, I would say at the end of this year, I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to call my shot Babe Ruth style. It's either going to be Dune or the Green Knight as my favorite film of 2021.
2: I'm saying it's going to be Dune. Um, yeah. I'm like so sold that Dune. is going to be yeah. like, you also got last night in Soho
1: and there's, oh, there's going to be
2: so many good movies this year, dude. Last Night in Soho is like one of my most anticipated. I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan, so yeah. I cannot wait for uh for Last Night in Soho. That's when I'm really I've been looking for, I've been waiting for that fucking movie forever, and that trailer was incredible. Yeah. The trailer was really so good. I cannot wait. Yeah, the trailer was yeah.
0: really good. But w- with with the Green Knight too, I'm I'm also happy for for Dev Patel that he gets a nice a nice meaty starring role for him, and I, I think he's also gonna crush it too. Yes, yeah, because the movie great. the movie the movie's gonna be completely on him. Mm-hmm. He's the guy we're going on this journey with, and I, I think he's going to to carry it.
1: Who is voicing the the fox that's following him? Do you guys know? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I was
0: looking for that hmm. a second ago and I couldn't find it. But Oh, so maybe maybe it's not listed or or it's yeah. uh it'll reveal it like later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah probably I would say. So yeah. Well, i I like I said, we'll we'll talk about it next week on the Oblivion Bar. I'm super excited to have you guys back on. It's. I mean, clearly, if you guys can tell, listening right now, we've gone two almost three hours into this conversation. You can tell yeah. that we like talking <laughs> about movies. So it probably won't be three hours long at the
0: Oblivion Bar, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Right, right. Uh, all right, man. Before we wrap this up, Chris, just kind of you know talk about your show a little bit. Actually, I want. I did want to ask you for both you and Aaron. You guys said you were both in the army. Mm-hmm how did you guys meet? how did you guys decide you want to do the podcast? Was it something that came out of being in quarantine or was it before that? Have you guys talked about it? But yeah, just kind of tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, so based on our lines our the, the episodes that we both put out from the FN nerds and from the oblivion bar, I think we kind of started at very similar times because back in the day in 2010, I joined the military right out of high school and Aaron and I were in the same platoon and he was actually my superior. He was my Sergeant of my platoon. And, uh, our first encounter was kind of tough. He kind of put me in my place really quick. But after that, I think he saw a little a little twinkle in my maybe a younger version of himself or something because we immediately connected uh, on similar loves of comics and movies and music. We we both love Daft Punk and that's kind of like our original connection was <laughs> <Nice>. lo- bro
2: <laughs> loving Daft Punk bro. Was- you are <laughs> talking you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> like Daft Punk, I've always said, me and my best friend Chris, we've always said if there's one person that we could have seen live, mm-hmm. if there was if we could just pick one, it would have been Daft Punk. It's on four, I don't know if you remember this, but like back in twenty seventeen when Random Max's memories came out, there was like rumor circulating that they were going to be making that they were going to do a tour and they mm-hmm. were gonna he- they were gonna start off by headlining Coachella that year. Yeah. And this, and it kind of made sense because, you know, you had the 97 tour, you had the live tour in 2007. So what it made sense again, another 10 years later to do Mm -hmm. random X memories tour. And my friend and I, we were literally ready to buy Coachella tickets and a plane to fucking California just to see Daft Punk live. But unfortunately never happened. And I was so fucking upset. And when they broke up, I was just like. I was not okay. If you guys- I was it, not okay.
1: If you haven't heard our section of the show the week after Daft Punk split up on the Oblivion Bar, we Aaron and I talked about it for probably 30 minutes, like just talking about Daft Punk and our, our love of those two guys. And I don't know if I've ever showed you this or if you've ever seen, but I actually have a Daft Punk tattoo. I'm going to quickly show you. Oh, shit. Oh,
2: oh yeah, I hell, see the pyramid. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I see that. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh,
1: it's it's yeah. fucking dope, oh, that dude. That's, that's dope. sick, man. But, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I'm a hardcore Daft Punk fan. I've loved those guys since, I mean, I am I remember getting homework when I was, I think it was probably eight or oh nine years
2: old. Oh my God. And not just that, but homework inspired so many, oh, yeah. like so many artists. Actually, if you listen to the, um the I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably have, but like some of their BBC Essential One mixes mm-hmm. from like 97, 98, just fucking incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It's, dude. It's,
1: I, they inspired the genre, the going and seeing a live DJ. You know, the festival life that everyone's living in now, Punk mm-hmm. was a forefront. They were a pillar in that, in the beginning of that, that sub of culture. So they made it Yeah, also they made it like the event. underground
2: scene too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah for sure. And, a a uh, lot of those
1: French, you know, electronic artists kind of started that.
2: Yeah, Justice another well, mm-hmm. Justice not, but like yeah, now like we're we're seeing this like another kind of like we were talking about Justice before. They're all another like French duo that's mm-hmm. just fucking incredible. Who also just kind of have this big production and whatever. But yeah. but yeah, Daft Punk's incredible. I can talk about Daft Punk for days. <laughs> yeah. Well, so essentially that's how Aaron and I connected.
1: Essentially what we just did here, and we were friends. We'd hang out every single weekend when we were in the military. I would go and stay at his house in Savannah, in Georgia, where we were both stationed at at Fort Stewart. We would karaoke all weekend. We'd we, we actually played Pokemon for a while while we were in the military competitively. Uh, we were ranked in, in, in Georgia at one point. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, and then eventually I got out. I, mean, I got out of the military. I decided to go back to school, move back to Indiana. Uh, Aaron stayed in. He's actually only got about two years left until he, until he retires, which is nice. He's only like 37. So he'll be getting retired with that pension before 40. So he's lucky. Wow. I was about to, ask, I was yeah, about to nice. ask
2: how much how much older he is than you. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's not... like
1: 37. I'm, I'm 30. I turned 30 in August. So not that much okay. older, but you know i was 19 when i joined and he was in his late 20s when i when you know when we became friends so it was a little bit of a gap but you know i, I think we we meshed really well in our personalities so all that happened in the beginning of 2010 we were friends all the way until i got out in 2014 then we 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 stayed friends throughout all the years we connected all the time talked about all the new releases comic books everything that in nerd culture and then covid happens 2020 we're all stuck at home We've always talked about we wanted to do something, whether it be a YouTube channel or something that deals with talking about the weekend review of nerd culture. And I came up with the idea of the Oblivion Bar. I was actually going to do it by myself. And then I went to Aaron and I said, would you like to go on this venture with me? And he was like, absolutely. And that's how the Oblivion Bar was started. April 2020 is when we put out our first episode. And we've been chugging along since. And we've had you know, we've had directors on like David A. Weiner. We've had comic book writers and artists like philip kennedy johnson daniel warren johnson leanna kangas we've had twitch streamers on we've had i mean it it is just it's so much fun to have a like-minded person you know like us and like aaron to sit down and just talk about the things that we love it's a great it's a great outlet for that so uh yeah that's the oblivion bar and nerd culture podcast in a nutshell a weekend review of all things movies television video
2: games and comic books dope but yeah. we'll definitely check him out if mm-hmm. uh, if you've made it this far. Yeah, <laughs> my props, shout out to you. Um, definitely check out uh, Chris and Aaron at the Oblivion Bar. Uh, obviously, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you enjoyed his take on everything, um, definitely go check him out. And you know, if you like this, I'm sure you're gonna like his other stuff. So mm-hmm. our shows are very comparable.
1: I'll, I'll say that for sure. I think uh, you know Nick and I have talked about it privately that I think production in podcasting is so rare you know a lot of times people think you can just get in front of a phone or a mic and talk and it's not that's not what podcasting is it's so much more than that it's marketing and it's networking and it's uh you know production value and everything i mean very similar to like say a a film set or something like that like production Mm -hmm. is so important and i honestly truly i'm not trying to butter you guys up because i'm right in front of you i truly respect the production value you guys put into your show and the you know the the conversation and the the chemistry you guys have is, is something that a lot of podcasts should should definitely uh aspire to be.
2: Yeah I think just oh, goes thanks, to man. show this goes to show how great of actors we are because we actually hate each other. <laughs> so uh <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah yeah I'm just like yeah. Yeah. But uh but this was a blast. Yeah. I definitely uh um, so much fun man I definitely enjoy this a lot and I'm uh looking forward to To the next collab. And I'll if there's for whatever reason a movie that I forgot to talk about, I'll try to sneak it in after the uh green night (laughs) review. That's right. Yeah, that's right.
0: -hmm. All right, Nerds Nation, thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials, keeping an eye for that big beautiful FM logo. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one.
2: Bye.